Hey guys, this is Rich Bokini. This is the princess of pro wrestling, SoCal Val. Teddy Stigma, the world's worst role model. This is Holiday. This is Steve Young. E-F-F-Y-F-E. And you're listening to the only podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole reppin' show. And now, the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole reppin' show. Come one, come all. Well, uh, I guess you've al- you've already come, uh, or you wouldn't be hearing this. Well, welcome to the whole Reffin Show, the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. My name is Darren Beasley. My name is Perry Smith. And we are so glad you're joining us this week for episode 63 of the whole Reffin Show. Makes me want to whistle. <laughs> I'm glad it makes you want to, but you don't actually, you don't act upon it. No, no, I'm a very reserved uh, person. I, uh, I don't always act on my desires. You're reserved. Everywhere we go to eat, you've already made reservations. <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. Yeah, I'm like a fine whiskey. Mm-hmm. I'm a reserve. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm also like the Federal Reserve, mm-hmm. which means I, uh, I pretend to have a lot more money than I actually have. Whoa. Oh, I don't know. Am I, did, I just, did I just blast myself? Or did I just blast the Federal Reserve? I think both. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was unintentional. Well, today, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dear listeners all, we are glad that you're here. We're going to talk a lot about wrestling. It's going to be hashtag wrestle talk. It's going to be hashtag wrestle news and wrestle views. As always, we're going to talk a lot about a match that is likely to happen in a little over a month. Uh, We cannot get a confirmation on it yet, but I'm really excited to talk about a possible big-time gimmick match in WWE. Also, we're going to talk about Fest Wrestling going back outdoors, just like we've been wanting. This time, they will not be at Curia on the drag. They will not be at that Curious vegan coffee house in Gainesville, Florida. No, they will be outside and they will be in St. Augustine, Florida next Friday. That's Friday the 8th of December for Brawl by the Beach. This is a back-to-back days of shows for Fest Wrestling. Brawl by the Beach will be the day before Pickle in the Tree 2. So we're going to run down the Brawl by the Beach card for you this week. Just, uh, we're not going to spend a lot of time breaking it down since we will be covering uh, the show. We will be giving a full review after the fact. But we want to go ahead and introduce it to you so uh, you can start thinking about it. And you can start uh, thinking about how you're going to get your ass there because you don't want to miss Fest Wrestling. Uh, also, what a, wait, 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 wait. When I hear St. Augustine, I think about like field trips that I, I had to go on when I, when I lived in Jacksonville. Like we we frequented St. Augustine a lot. Is there like a bunch of old stuff, like a bunch of like 
Swanee River and Ponce de Leon stuff there in San Augustine. Well, there's not Swanee River. Okay, but but that's something, right? Like, the like, Swanee River like, is something. That no, is, it is, of course, it's something. But like Mark Foster, isn't that something? Stephen Foster. Stephen Foster. Wait, wait, wait. What's Mark Foster? I have no idea. Okay, I don't know what that is either. St- Stephen, <laughs> Stephen Foster Memorial okay. uh, State Park is in Central Florida. Okay. And that's, uh, you know, way down upon the Swanee River. Okay. Uh, St. Augustine, you're perhaps thinking of the Spanish Fort. Perhaps. There is a Spanish Fort in St. Augustine. Uh, St. Augustine is the longest continually occupied city in the Western Hemisphere. That See, that's what I was thinking about. That's what you just said. It's the oldest city uh, in, the, in the New World. Okay. St. Augustine, originally um, founded by the French, actually. And the Spanish uh, took over that fort after defeating them uh, as uh, Catholics versus Protestants. Okay. The Wars of Empire. That's very interesting. Uh, Mark F- Mark Foster, who I mistook uh, Stephen Foster for, is a uh, a director who who directed Monsters Ball and Fighting Neverland. Uh, so that that's where that name came oh, from. Oh man, he so he, you, he's a film director who makes uplifting movies. Yeah, yeah, basically. Watch really terrible things happen to Halle Berry, and watch the sad story behind Peter Pan. Right. I'm Mark Foster. <laughs> <laughs> Not nearly as uplifting as way down upon the Swanee River. Right. <laughs> okay, so, so so back to what we're talking about. Right, here. right. Well, no, see, when I think of St. Augustine, I think of the uh, early Christian theologian from the north of Africa, the city of Hippo. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a pretty interesting fella. He was very hungry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hungry, hungry. He was so hippo. hungry, he was... <laughs> So hungry, they named him twice. Uh, Oh, Milton Bradley met him and said, you know what? I think I know uh, what to do. Fest Wrestling will be in St. Augustine. This will be the first time Fest Wrestling has ventured outside of Hogtown, Gainesville, Florida. They're headed to the Atlantic Coast, and they will be putting on a hell of a show. We're going to discuss it. And also, we're going to talk about the Starcade that was, a.k.a. The Starcade that wasn't? Yeah, really. Starcade 2017. Starcade making a return under the WWE banner. And we're going to talk about the results. Indeed, the latest Starcade may or may not have happened, but <laughs> we are pretty sure that Starcade 1996 did, in fact, happen. In it fact, did. It did. In fact, Darren and I watched it very recently and said, you know what? Since we're in the Starcade mood, it is Starcade season. We are now hitting December. That's right. Starcade, a big deal for WCW. It was the WrestleMania, uh, and now it's a house show apparently, uh, which uh, is which. We'll, we'll get into that. We'll definitely get into that. So uh, we'll talk about 1996 Starcade. Uh, we'll get into that one. Uh, NWO's going on. Oh man, it's such a good time for WCW. Yeah, they claim that the main event is the match of the century. Man, it does not live up to that. Uh, <laughs> how about Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper way, way out of their prime? How about that? That'd be good. Well, I don't know. I actually have some surprisingly good things to say about it when we get there. Oh, we'll, we'll definitely get into it. But of course, uh, we can't get into that until we get into some of those tasty... Headlines. 
a Women's Royal Rumble. Huh? They're going to have a Women's Royal Rumble? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe is the word. Not yep. mum. Not mum's not the word. Well, mum may be the word if, if it's Women's Royal Rumble. There might be There's some probably mums. a couple of mums in there. Mickey James is a mum. There you go. She might be in it. Hey. Who else is a mum? There's a couple of mums. If, 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 Are there? If Lacey Evans shows up, she's a mum. Ah, there you go. Lacey you Evans go. is a mum. I don't know. I don't know how other what other mom. Naomi's a stepmom. That's that's no good. It is good. That's no good. Hey, I I I, I that's pretty good. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So yes, yeah, so a potential women's Royal Rumble at the Royal Rumble. Uh, this uh, I guess not this year. Next year, because that's where Rumble is. January of 2018, it will be the kickoff pay per view or network special, if you will, for WWE entering the new year. So that puts us only a month away. Only a month away from the Royal Rumble. That's very cool. And no confirmation yet, but I'm thinking this is the year it happens. Let me tell you why. We've been saying now for a couple of years, boy, that women's roster is getting awfully big. Now it's bigger than ever. And just last week, we had six women that were not on WWE programming just the week before. So six brand new faces, or five brand new faces in a returning page. Uh, she makes... got a face job, though, so it was a brand <laughs> new face. No, no, that's not true. But it uh, makes that women's division all uh, all the richer. Right, well, a, a, a typical Royal Rumble does have 30 uh, able-bodied competitors, uh, they just had 32 compete in the May Young Classic, so you know they can they they can definitely scrounge up some wrestlers to fill out that 30. I'm curious if it'll be 30, and this is what this is what I mean. I think first of all, you would be uh, risking some sort of blowback for it not being equal if it does not match the men's Royal Rumble, mm-hmm. right? However. Are you really going to have two possible hour-long matches on a card that, you know... Well, actually, you know what? Now it's one of the big four, so we're talking about it being a six-hour card. There you go. Never mind. That's how you solve that issue. You, you, you tack with, on an extra hour. Yep. You open with the women's match yeah. and you close with the men's match. And actually, you know what? If they do that, that's fine. My initial thoughts were... It will either be 20 women, no. and, or no. if it's 30 women, it'll be one minute between no. entries instead no, 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 of two. No no no. no, 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 You can't change anything about it. It needs to be a Royal Rumble with 30 fucking competitors in it. Oh, I agree. I'm not saying I would. W- it's with, just me anticipating the fact that WWE example, leaves nothing alone. An example of this where I feel like they think a oh, women... Women can't do it as well as the men folk. Which is irritating is the fucking Iron Man match between Sasha and Charlotte. It was a 30-minute match. And my argument, of course, is that's not an Iron Man match. Right. <laughs> that is that is a that is a Woodman match. Um, <laughs> but And also, their matches typically last about that long anyway. So it really wasn't even that special. Um, but, um, so it, basically, if, if they're going to say, okay, it's women, so... Half as much time between, you know, competitors coming in or or half as many women. 
just just fucking go the go, go the full distance, you know. If if you're gonna go through the trouble of putting it all together and having it happen, just do it the right way the first time. I completely. If it fails, agree. it fails on its own, not because you half-assed it and oh, what if we what if we did we just did it regular, you know? That fuck that. Well, one thing is they are not afraid to do a battle royal with women, at least in NXT, mm-hmm. at house shows and on NXT television. Almost more so on television, which is really surprising. Every time you turn around, it seems like there's a women's battle royal on the NXT. Darren, Darren. turn around. Ah, oh, whoa, whoa, right, is. Be- right yeah, behind me. man. Oh, there's man. a uh, NXT women's battle royal. Every time. Wait, wait a minute. Oh, whoa, another one. <laughs> I turned around just if now. Don't turn around. You're going to spoil it. Because you're going to see my heart break. Save it. You need to wait for January. Mm. My money is this match happens. What do you think the likelihood is? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Because this this already feels like what eventually became the May Young Classic. There were whispers of, uh, oh, there's going to be a women's tournament. Oh, man, it's going to be a women's tournament. I don't think you realize, Darren, I think you may have forgotten how long the rumor was out there before it actually happened. Uh, it seemed about seven or eight months that it finally took place. Like, oh, CWC yeah. had just happened. They went, well, you know what? They might, the, they might do that again with the oh women. yeah within within like and it was like weeks. it was like what women and then this boat pulled up to shore and thirty two women came out and said we will <laughs> <laughs> the boat pulls up and they're all dressed up like Rose the Riveter <laughs> right like, us too but speaking of women and and you mentioned this uh, you mentioned a second ago without really going into it the the six women who who showed up on Raw and SmackDown. Um, the, the group of Paige, uh, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville now has a name. They're calling themselves Absolution. They got a name just like Jim Croce. Exactly. Um, Absolution sounds a little too close to Ascension. I think that there's going to be a little bit of confusion there. Also, do they know what the word Absolution means? Absolution they do. (laughs) I think Absolution they don't. Okay. I don't know any way that that name makes any sense. Right. For a wrestling faction. But it's going to look That's so like good saying, on a t-shirt. Darren. Oh, I'm Paige and me and these girls, we're called Potato. <laughs> right, well, well, the everyone, al- Potato. Well, the alternative, though, was, of course, Paige, Mandy, Sonya, PMS. Ugh. And if it were the Attitude Era, that would have actually happened. Well, we already had a PMS in the attitude. That's true, area. exactly. Well, that, that that backs up my case exactly. Yeah, man. Well, at least it's better than Panama City Beach, which was the last uh, group that Paige was a uh, member of back when Charlotte and Becky first showed up, and they were with Paige. And for one week, they were the submission sorority until somebody Googled that and saw that it was a porn site. <laughs> so the next week, they showed up as PCB, which literally means nothing. Right. Unless you're from the Southeast and you went to college. Yeah. PCB! Is this spring break? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well. So, Absolution is a dumb name. I don't get it. <laughs> and I don't support it. No, no, Darren, don't hold back. I'm not. T- tell, tell us exactly how you feel. Okay. Yeah, I will. Um, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, all these six women showing up it, and we, we went into this a bit, or quite a bit, actually, on the last uh, episode. Um, it, it's it's not working. It, it's already not working. It's strange. 
Um, they well, they did it right on SmackDown. I was going to say, I, it's working a lot better on SmackDown. They, they, they're doing it better on SmackDown. They actually just had them have a match. Whereas on Raw, it's like, oh, they're they're literally doing the shield thing where they surround the ring go, oh, 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 oh am I coming in? Oh, no, 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 not coming in. Okay. Uh, they, they did it to Asuka. And it's like, no, no, no. You need to build up to Asuka if you're going to do that shit to Asuka. Right. Asuka was beating the shit out of the people who were beating the shit out of those girls in NXT. You can't all of a sudden have Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville go, Asuka? More like Nasuka when we're more done like with Nasuka. the... More like Nasuka. <laughs> um, more like Nasuka, son. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. Um, so it's it's a little weird on Raw. They're trying to find their way. Obviously, Paige being very well known, and and again, it's 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 bad. I'll, I'll go ahead and say it's it's not working there. Paige on, needs to be by herself. She does need to be by herself. This comeback needed to be about her. Absolutely, and her comeback. I know you disagreed with me that it needed to be a little bit about Alberto, uh, but I will still feel that way. It needed to at least be addressed, or or and or in my opinion and. But if you don't like the Alberto bit, or it could be about her coming back from a rather severe neck injury. Yeah. But instead, none of that. Just, I'm here and potato. I'm here and potato. But on SmackDown, the, uh, you know, Ruby Riot, who they added a T to her name. Why did they add? Don't, don't say, don't tell me why. I'm, 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 it's, it's rhetorical. Do you know why? Because I don't know why. Oh, I'm sure they did it just because they probably tried to trademark Ruby Riot. Oh, it was and it's either already trademarked, or they were like, "No, that's generic enough that you can't quite what? do it." But what if we put a T on it, right, right. like adding a Z? I'm about to say, to what Taz? does that remind? What does that remind you of? Yes. Adding the Z to Taz. Obviously, you couldn't trademark Taz because the Tasmanian Devil. This is not the last time you will hear. Uh, oh, that's right. You will not hear Taz mentioned in the show. Um, wait till our Tsarcade uh, uh, bit. Anyway. So it's either that. They've either run into an existing Ruby Riot okay. trademark or it's a Rhino situation where they had to change the spelling of Rhino to R-H-Y-N-O because you can't trademark Rhino is and, the name of an animal. And I would have done that with uh, Ruby Riot. I would have made it R-Y-O-T. Yeah, because R-Y-O-T... That looks more fucking punk rock and, and more like Metallica lettery. Than just oh riot riot Ruby riot and here's yeah so here is the riot hey it's the riot tatas all right we got a got a lot of that joke just now um but anyway so I don't I don't like that it's 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 odd um again if you're gonna change it then do the punk rock thing because she is you know this this punk rock wrestler and and turn the I into a Y um oh yeah but I will say this. The neatest thing to me about the Rhino name change <laughs> from years ago when he first showed up in WWE. Uh, the, the Y was split. The Y yeah. was split so that if you looked at it long enough, you realized, oh, it's an I. It, it did say Rhino. Mm -hmm. And then they tore the I apart. So it's a Y. How smart is that? Rhino smarter than you think he'd actually would be. Uh, you, you think he'd be a big dumb animal, folks, but like a rhino, actually very smart. Actually ran for a public office. Yeah, uh, recently did not get it. All these wrestlers ran for office recently and and didn't get it. 
So they um, show back up on TV. Yay! So they, sh- they go back to wrestling where we want to see them forever. Well, exactly, because if they're not going to be the mayor of my hometown, right. then I'd rather them be on my television. Absolutely. Um, so with the women, obviously they have they have the women for it. They got the women that are sh- from NXT showing up on Raw and SmackDown. Not to mention the ladies who are already on Raw and SmackDown, and not to mention... All the women you can just call back up who are on in the uh, the May Young Classic and be like, "Hey, we need you again for one night." Hey, you want to wrestle at Royal Rumble? Uh, yes. So and who's who's not, gonna say no to that? Oh, well, sure. Hey, and hey, it, hey, hey! You want to be part of the first ever women's Royal Rumble? No, okay. no. I already got a, a show in in uh, Sheboygan. <laughs> I've already I'm already committed to. So. Oh well, man, you better take that Sheboygan book. Yeah, yeah. It's the first ever Sheboygan. So, I go and do it. It's the first ever Sheboygan. It's the first ever Sheboygan. That's what I say every day. I'm going to call my punk band the first ever Sheboygan. Oh, I'll come see your shows. Oh, thank you. (laughs) You'll be alone. (laughs) (laughs) Another cool thing to look forward to uh, if they do this is inevitably, if it's anything like the Royal Rumble, the Men's Royal Rumble, historically speaking, somebody unexpected will show up. Maybe Trish Stratus or Lita, and they'll get in for 10 seconds. People are afraid that Trish will show up and her and Mandy will will doink in the ring. Yeah, probably. They'll look at each other like mirror images. I don't, I mean... For those who don't know what doinking is, I did use it as a verb. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds sounds dirty if you don't have the context. Yeah, it's not nearly Oh, they're going to doink? Dirty. Hot. Oh, oh. (laughs) Read it off for doinking. (laughs) <laughs> strong, strong sexual situation. Rated doinking. D, rated D for doinking. L for language. D for doinking. <laughs> but I would like to see somebody like Trish or Lita pop up the way that you know we saw Mister Perfect come back once upon a time. We, I was there for it. Yeah, yes, you were. And we'll see. You know, we've always seen that. Always surprises. Always surprises in the Royal Rumble. I don't know why the women's would be any different. Unfortunately, a lot of the greats, there's, we know we would not see them because they are no longer with us, like China, Luna Vachon, and then um, as far as others, like I don't know that Medusa would wrestle. You know, Maybe Molly Holly would, would pop back up. So that'd be kind of neat okay. to see some of those folks. But I hope it happens. It may not happen at all. But I really well, think here that we it are will. speculating. You remember how much time we wasted speculating on all the cool people who might show up in last year's men's Royal Rumble? Wow! And how let down were we? You were furious after you watched the Royal Rumble. I was so unhappy you were last year. Livid. Uh, oh man, I was mad. I I have never been more disappointed in a Royal Rumble than I was <laughs> the Royal Rumble 2017. It was so. Much garbage. It was it was bad. And it was garbage because of the anticipation. We did it to ourselves. Yeah, no. I mean, the, they they definitely let us down, but we didn't do ourselves any favors. Someone came back at the rumble. We were, we were oh oh uh, Ty Dillinger was number ten. That's like the one thing we predicted would happen. Um so thank God that we didn't get Kenny Omega uh, or or a bunch of other like I think we even said like maybe Matt Hardy would show up or something like that. We no. said Matt Hardy, I think we said Sting. Right. <laughs> Man, Kenny we set Omega. the bar very high. We we said a lot of things, but anyway, it didn't happen. So anyway, we'll we'll obviously uh put our ears to the ground and then uh and then lift them and <laughs> just, and just read things online to find out uh 
<laughs> to find out what's going on with this potential ladies uh, rumble. It may or may not happen. Uh, but one thing for sure that is happening, folks. We know this. Confirmed it. We've seen the lineup for this thing. We're talking about Brawl by the Beach Fest Wrestling, which is going down in St. Augustine, Florida, which we talked about earlier on the show, of course. Uh, reminded of all those Jacksonville uh, field trips that I don't know why they made us go. I'm sure it was the Spanish <laughs> Fort. I'm sure it was the Fort. I oh, mean, man, they just wanted us to get the fuck out of class. Why, why else are they taking children out of town to a beach? Yeah. And these children could drown. <laughs> we didn't go to the beach you, if you went to St. Augustine you did there's nothing there I don't even recall seeing the ocean when I was in St. Augustine well, maybe you went to Ripley's Believe It or Not there's a Ripley's Believe It or Not that is one of the spookiest places I've ever been in my entire life I'm thinking they took us somewhere that was not St. Augustine and just said hey guys St. Augustine and we're like oh great but they just took you to a different part of Jacksonville. It probably was, yeah. I think we just were just on the other side of the school. Well, I don't like, think that... Augustine. <laughs> well, I don't think Tony Weinbender and Fest Wrestling are going to pull any dirty tricks like that. Right. The, those field trips were a huge letdown, but this show will not be a letdown, folks. Uh, Fest Wrestling is branching out, leaving the comfort of Gainesville, Florida, leaving eight seconds, and uh, taking you to... Gainesville, Florida, uh, the backyard stage at St. Augustine's uh, Amphitheater, and the tickets are on sale uh, at Ticketmaster. It is Friday, December 8th at 8 p.m., so, you know, you'll, you'll be out of school by then. It's it's a Friday. You might be back from your field trip. Might Maybe be back. From, speaking of school, field trips, yeah, yeah. I wish this was a field trip that I took when I was a kid to go see yeah. Fest Wrestling. Well, I'm actually taking my class on a field trip the day before Brawl by the Beach. I'm taking my American history students. Oh. We're studying the Civil War right now. Okay. And we are going to go to Andersonville, the POW camp. How far away is that? Uh, it's a couple hours. I know. Just, just take them to like... <laughs> St. Augustine? Take them to St. Augustine and tell them they're there instead. But not the beach. No, 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 no. There's no beach in St. Augustine. We all know that. Well, I hope there's a beach because <laughs> Fest Wrestling says they're going to brawl by it. Right. No, I uh, am very excited about this card. Uh, this upcoming Friday night, we will be there yeah. with bells on. Maybe I'm, not, not I'm not wearing any bells. I am going to wear bells. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have bells on. I will at least have them on my person, if not, like, you know, attached. And uh, I'll be there with bells on okay. my person. Okay. And this is the night before Pickle in the Tree 2. So not only is Fest Wrestling branching out in terms of moving uh, outside of the confines of Gainesville, Florida. But also, this is the first time we're going to have shows this close together. And it doesn't get much closer than one day apart. 24 hours separating two killer fest wrestling shows. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see uh, both shows back to back. Typically you see a fest show and you're like, oh, it's over until, no, tomorrow, until tomorrow. Well, that's going to be neat. That's so yeah, so so two long trips to Florida for us, but uh, well worth it, definitely. And on this night at Brawl by the Beach, four of the six booked matches are qualifying matches for the following day. Right. The following day being Pickle in the Tree 2, the highlighted match of that evening, of course, being 
the pickle and the tree match. Right. The latter match to retrieve the pickle. Money in, in the, the bank tree. only replace a briefcase with a pickle. Exactly. Right. Which Sue Young cashed in last year on Heidi Lovelace, aka Ruby Riot. So these triple threat matches, there's going to be four triple threat matches. And the winners of each of these will be in the pickle in the tree you know, match. Do you know who the winner of each of these matches is going to be? Well, no. The audience. Uh, you fall for that every I time. I fall for that every time. You really do. I'm like, no! Who? <laughs> How do you know? Did someone... Did someone... Are you win? a time travel? Mm. We will see on this night Priscilla Kelly take on Vandal and Joey Ryan. I don't know who has their hands the most full, and no, that's not a Joey Ryan dick grab joke. Yes, it is. Joey <laughs> Ryan and Vandal and Priscilla Kelly all bringing very different things to this match. This is a very odd mix of people wrestling. Um, Priscilla Kelly and Joey Ryan, they face each other at fests at uh, Bring Her Mom uh, when Priscilla Kelly was involved in a women's, uh, I, think it was, I think it was a fatal four-way or a triple threat match, but Joey Ryan crashed it, and then it became uh, those ladies against Joey Ryan, and they beat Joey Ryan. Um, but, you know, Joey Ryan can't boobplex Vandal, so he's gonna have to boobplex I mean, he could. He could, technically, he could. It's the same thing. I, I, I don't see I don't see Vandal doing the dick flip. I just, I can't. I can't uh, see it. That will be interesting. Yeah. That'll be interesting yeah. to see. Vandal, who, this will be interesting to see him. This will be the first time I think we've seen him not at the side of uh, Wolf Taylor and Leon Scott as oh, part of Awaken. Absolutely. It doesn't mean they won't be around. I was about to say, but that doesn't mean... They can't They not... can't leave their boy. They can't leave their boy Vandal hanging. Yeah, I'm excited about this match. Next up, we do have Leon Scott and Wolf Taylor. Oh, there they are. And Effie. What? So, yeah. Leon versus Wolf Taylor... Versus Effie. So basically, Effie in a handicap match against Leon Scott and Wolf Taylor. At the same time, only one can move on right. to do the pickle. And uh, last year... And it had better be Effie. <laughs> last year, Effie was involved in the pickle in the tree match. And of course, Awaken attacked him and uh, took him out of the match. So... Uh, oh, man, I'm so glad that that won. That did win Feud of the Year, didn't it? Absolutely. And it won Feud of the Year Mahart. And and I think it also won Match of the Year. I mm-hmm. mean, as far as the festies go. Right, the festies. That, the only awards that matter are the right. festies, yeah. I mean, we were there. We were live in person for the yeah. festies. And the we first gave, ever festies. We gave ourselves the honorary uh, Best Wrestling Podcast. Best... Festies. Wrestling podcast. Festy. Festy, right. <laughs> right. Well, if we didn't, I, I, you know, I think actually uh, listening back to our live episode from the Hippodrome for uh, the weekend of Fest 16, we did have a majority, right? When we, <laughs> we, we, we did. We, took, we, we did. Or, well, did we, or did we, was it a gridlock at 50-50? No, because we, we, uh, we, we somehow got Rich Bokini... The man who's on MLW Radio's flagship podcast and the J.J. Dillon Show to to say that his favorite wrestling podcast was our wrestling podcast. Because I'm a dickhead <laughs> that gave him this really unfair question. Max Gregg, also on our side. 
Effie also on our side. That's right. So he, he would have yes. been the tiebreaker. With the victory of three to right. one to one. Chuck Taylor did not uh, really give an answer. He said he said uh, Jim Cornette's podcast, which is actually a slide on Cornette because they had some beef. And I had no idea about that. Uh, I, I found out about that later on. And of course, oh, of course, Matt Cross has to say Colt Cabana. Because well. Colt Cabana sitting five feet away. Can't blame him for that one. They're buds and cabanas five feet away. Right. And uh, I, of course, will forgive that because of the graciousness of cabanas sitting in on our show. Absolutely. And also, Colt has a really good show. But anyway. He does. He does. We, we won the That's festi. That's a fair answer. We That's win that answer. festi forever. Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, I hope Effie wins this match. I, I, I'm interested to see what the dynamic is with Leon and Wolf and what that means for fighting Effie. I really thought we weren't going to see Leon Scott versus Effie again this soon. That's very interesting. I, th- I think they want to give the San Augustine crowd like a little taste of what they've been missing this whole time because they're too busy at this uh, supposed beach that exists in San Augustine. Yeah. Our third qualifying match for Pickle in the Tree 2 will see Carlina Gore take on Jason Cade as well as Desmond Xavier. All I know, and this is all I know, mind you, about this match, is get ready for aerial insanity. That's true. Also, I'm wondering if there's this divide between Beta Scott and Jason Cade. This will be the second Jason Cade performance sans uh, Veda Scott, his tag team partner from Pop Culture. What's going on there? I, I have no idea. I'd uh, be interested to find out. I have not seen uh, Veda Scott. I've seen seen hide nor hair of her no. on any type of advertising on anything uh, that's in terms of independent wrestling in the southeast. Maybe she's just gone back up north. Maybe she's uh, hibernating for the winter. Well, she's leaving Jason Cade high and dry, and he's got to fight Desmond Xavier, who had that excellent of a match against Shane Strickland, uh, the King of Swerve, at the last Fest Wrestling Show. We are family. And that match was intense. So, I mean, we, have, we know Jason Cade could definitely hang with Desmond Xavier, Carlina Gore. Uh, seen some good stuff out of her. She's going to be an interesting kind of like, she's kind of a wild card, I think. She might could sneak a, a win out if if those two don't pay enough attention to her. That's true. So she might, you, she might have to make her presence known, but I, I think she might make a big impact in this match. Well, she will make her presence known when she comes out. If she breathes fire the way that she did, uh, in her appearance at eight seconds a couple of uh, shows ago, I was I, I, that made my night. Like, sure, all the amazing wrestling and the great my fan favorites, uh, my fan favorites. Maybe you should go see a circus where that happens more often. Uh, I, I don't know if, if, if that's more interesting than wrestling is to you. It wasn't more interesting. Perhaps you should just do a fire breathing podcast, Darren. Is this your way of saying the whole ref and show? Well, I've been practicing no my poi. Oh, and, uh, no, Darren. Next thing. Darren, we have this wonderful Festi trophy. This Festi award that says we're the best wrestling podcast forever. Uh, yeah, we made it. We made but, it uh, ourselves. <laughs> and we voted for ourselves. But before, just before anyone actually starts to believe <laughs> that we got an award that we didn't get, we, didn't, uh, we, didn't get one, no. we gave it to ourselves. It and ourselves. Uh, we're good at that. Uh, also, we who will else see, will give us supports? You never know. I mean, anything at any time, it could just fall in our laps. 
You know, we certainly have had a lot of great success fall in our laps thanks to our wonderful listeners, our dear, dear listeners. This is true. This is very true. We appreciate you, dear listeners, and thank you for all the uh, awards <laughs> that you told us that we should make up and give to ourselves. So guess what? We did it. We did it. Thanks, the, us. The fourth of the qualifying matches, the fourth triple threat match we will see of uh, this one Hold on to your butts. We are going to see Serpentico take on Darby Allen and Shane Strickland. Mm. Now this match is uh, this this is a, this could steal the show. You know what's funny about this match? What's that? Is uh, Darby Allen and Shane Strickland? They're going to be wrestling the night before. That's true. At the MLW show going on. In Orlando. That's right. MLW will be coming to you from Orlando, Florida with their Never Say Never show. Their second show since MLW has relaunched itself as an indie wrestling brand. Mm -hmm. And you're right. The night before, we're going to see Darby Allen and King of the Death match, Jimmy Havoc from England, take on the King of Swerve, Shane Strickland, and his tag team partner, John Hennigan, a.k.a. John Morrison, Johnny Nitro, Johnny Impact, Johnny Impact, Johnny Circus, Johnny Mundo, Johnny Mundo. There you go. Yeah, I'm kind of stoked to see that match too. But one night later, they're gonna have to fight each other with the wild card of Serpentico and no help from those other fellows, their tag team partners from the night before. They may also be a little worse for wear on this night. Yeah, I heard Darby Allen. I heard an interview with Darby Allen talking about the barbed wire baseball bat, talking about the thumbtacks. If these fellas roll around in a bed of thumbtacks, 24 hours later, we might see them hobbling to the ring. Yeah, so (laughs) easy pickings for Serpentico. Yeah, let's go Serpentico. Let's go Serpentico. Maybe maybe we'll uh, hear about uh, Serpentico a bit more on the show sometime. Maybe, you never know. You never know what might fall in your lap. You never know who you might chase down on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) So, another thing I am curious about, though, is there's four matches here. Uh, they are the qualifying matches for the Pickle and the Tree. Does that mean there's only going to be four people in the Pickle and the Tree match this year? That can't be right. You... I guess maybe these four uh, have to qualify, and maybe there will be two, three, four, five more right. who sort of auto-qualified mm-hmm. or for whatever reason. And so the winners of these matches will join some other people that have already been chosen for the Pickle on the Tree ladder match the following day? I don't know. We shall see. We shall see. But there are two matches that are not qualifying matches. They are a straight-up tag team match and a singles match. The tag team bout we will see at Brawl by the Beach is the Ugly Ducklings <laughs> with Coach Mikey taking on three equally charming heterosexuals, a.k.a. Tech. This should be a cool match. This should be good, definitely. Um, we're always impressed by Tech. Uh, the more and more we see them, they're they're really they're really kind of fitting together a bit better. I, I think they're really they're they're firing on all cylinders now. So it, it, it's like they are a tag team. Oh, so, I completely agree. Right, and then uh, and they got a shit talker uh, and and Jim Jim Schreber, so he he definitely got to help out. Oh, for sure, and 
Uh, to me, you're right. You're absolutely right. They are uh, sort of better than they've ever been. But even from the first time I saw them, I know I repeat myself when I say this, but I can't help it. Tech, three equally charming heterosexuals. They could also be called three of the same person at different times in life. They literally look like three versions or like Earth 1, Earth 2, and Earth 8 versions <laughs> of the same person. Wow, Earth 8. Which one's Earth 8? Which one? I That's don't know. really weird. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Shit talking Jim Sherbert. Yeah, I guess he's he's the Earth Eight of uh, of tech, sure. And the Ugly Ducklings. Oh my God, Rob Killjoy, Lance Lude, and the beloved Coach Mikey. Um, he is beloved. He he is beloved, and and I can't wait to see this match. Absolutely, Ugly Ducklings, man. They they kill it every time. That that Duckhouse Brawl match against the Gymnasty Boys, their their arch rivals, was it was intense, man. It was uh it was fast and furious, minus Vin Diesel and. The Rock was kind of taking over that franchise. Hi, I'm The Rock. I'm better Vin Diesel. Yeah, basically. <laughs> oh, sorry you had to use Vin Diesel all those years while I was still wrestling, but I'm here now. Yeah, really. Jeez. Um, if you smell what The Rock's cooking. His words, not my folks. Um, but I, I agree completely. But, um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's just going to be a, a really great match, which takes us into our, our main, main event. event. And, and now, now we, we say, say things, things together, together always. always. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> oh, that was good. Uh, anyway. Your fest champion, Sue Young. Sue the Young. blood bride. The undead bride. The reigning champion for almost a full year. She Will she make it? Will she make it to the next night? Will she? She's got to defend that belt here in St. Augustine. She's taking on... Beastly. Beastly, who won the PBR Wildman Cup to earn that number one contendership. Uh, we thought for sure that Stigma was going to win that one. Ugh! But Beastly won. Beastly is definitely a crowd favorite. and and That dude is over like Rover. And talk about wild cards. I think Beastly might be the ultimate wild card. Total dark horse. Because he is a wild child. He is unpredictable. He is, as they say, Beastly. He is Beastly. And, he uh, is... An adjective. I, I am looking forward to see how... Or is it an adverb? I'm looking forward to see how he reacts to Sue Young. Because because anyone anyone that's in their right mind would kind of see Sue Young and kind of realize how she's like psychologically terrifying. Beastly kind of throws the psychological part out of the equation because he's, he's kind of a... He's Georgie Animal Steel, more or less. Right. Um, or, but, or but, I was about to say, or does he have that sort of like canine reaction to the supernatural. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And get kind of spooked. So he might become Sue Young's pet after the show. We don't know what's going to happen, folks, and it's it's going to be interesting because I don't think Sue Young's ever fought someone quite like Beastly before. So it will be something very different, so you definitely don't want to miss that. It's going to be a spectacle at the very least. At the very least. So, uh, yeah, come on out to St. Augustine. On Friday, December 8th, 8 p.m. is when the show starts and the, the backyard stage... At the San Augustine Amphitheater. Again, check out Ticketmaster. Because tickets are on sale for it, man. Buy your tickets right now. Come see us. We'll be there, too. We'll be Come there. Come talk to us. Let's hang out. Let's watch the show together bring by us, the beach. Bring us awards. And <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I'm just looking forward to going to that beach that you keep saying is in, in San Augustine. Is. Maybe, brought, maybe next year, Fest will have a show in the fort. 
Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. That'd be very cool. In the fort. Fill the fort. Put, fill the fort with bleachers. Yeah, man. Fire off cannons. I'm sure during people's entrances. They, they had this in mind when they built the forts all those years ago. They like, did. one day they were wrestling. What's wrestling? Silence. Silence. <laughs> <laughs> off with his head off with his head walk the plank so you can come see that in person folks uh speaking of things that were seen in person and only in person and only in person what happens when a multi-billion dollar company decides uh, to be stingy as shit yeah and 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 it, it's possible this might make air eventually um, I don't know. Did they record it? But what we're talking about here is, of course, Starcade. Now, again, for those who don't know, Starcade was the flagship pay-per-view event for NWA, and eventually WCW did adopt it into their DNA. Uh, it it is it is the WrestleMania of WCW. It was WrestleMania before WrestleMania. WrestleMania before WrestleMania was WrestleMania. Uh, so it's very important. Some folks at WWE decided. I think. I think Michael P.S. Hayes was uh, one of the people kind of championing the idea. Oh, you know it. You know it was to do Starcade uh, WWE style, which, by the way, is horrible. A- a- anything done WWE style, you should immediately think like, okay, so not as good as it could be. Like but, I mean, immediately, but, immediately, you should think that. Right? Of course, you should, and then. You should think that because that's going to nine times out of ten be the case. Right. We did luck out and get our one time out of ten, though, with the War Games. They did do that right. Well, that was Triple H's doing and not Vince McMahon's doing. Arguably. Very true. Very arguably. True. But, yeah, man, they're, they're, kind of, uh, <laughs> they're kind of like scraping out the, the barrel of old WCW names. Well, what's really weird is... With I'm, the War Games and Starcade. Yeah, and the, what's weird to me is, okay... It's been 17 years since there was a Starcade. Oh my god. It's been 17 years since there was a Starcade. Right. And I guess, yeah, I think it's Michael P.S. Hayes uh, has the idea, hey, we're going to Greensboro, we're going to the home of Starcade, we're going to the home of Jim Crockett Promotions, you know, this is where you would have a Starcade if you're ever going to have another Starcade. I think it was really just going to be a house show. And then Michael P.S. Hayes said, hey, let's make it fun. Let's make it Starcade." And I don't know how serious the idea even was initially. I don't even know if they had any intention of publicly calling it that. But pretty quickly the word got out. And the, the, the biggest thing, the biggest initial hubbub was, can we get Cody Rhodes to appear? Right, and he said no, and good for you, Cody Rhodes. That was the correct answer. Is it? That was the correct answer. Especially if you have you you have Dustin Rhodes around, that's good enough, you know? Because you want someone to kind of rep- represent the Rhodes family. Well, you do, yeah. and in my opinion, Cody should have done it. And that's my opinion. Cody and Dustin needed to come to the ring, and we'll talk about what Dustin did in a minute. But Cody and Dustin needed to come to the ring and say, hey, you know, this is for dad. Whatever. Darren, here's here's my thing. And here's something that I think a lot of people are missing when it comes to, why doesn't Vince just do this? How come Vince doesn't even just want to, like, do this? This little thing for WCW, whatever. WCW tried to put Vince McMahon out of business. 
He doesn't he doesn't think of Starcade and go, oh, Starcade, such good times. He goes, Starcade, mm, WCW, man, fuck those people. You have to you have to respect that. You you you, you I would respect you it. have to respect the fact that Vince McMahon has hard feelings when it comes to anything involving WCW. And that includes Cody Rhodes having hard feelings about anything WWE because fuck those people. They weren't using him right. He went off to do his thing and now he's doing stuff with ROH and New Japan and they're using him and he's having a good time. And uh, oh, well, cease and desist. We can't, we can't have fun and, and, and kind of mock what you did when you invaded WCW. We can't go invade Raw. Oh, fucking cease and desist. They're going to fire Jimmy Jacobs. What the fuck is wrong with you, Vince? No! I'm not going to go do your untelevised, glorified house show that bears the name Starcade unfairly, unjustifiably, just so you can go, Oh, look at that. Look at, look at the glorious Starcade. Woo, look at that. I gave those hicks. I gave those hicks in North Carolina Starcade there. You want a Starcade? You got Starcade. You'll never fucking see it because fuck Starcade and fuck WCW and I win. I'm King Shit of Fuck Mountain. I'm Vince McMahon. Remember that. I haven't forgotten anything and I'm going to turn your own argument against you. Ooh! Because all you ever answer any of my questions with is by rubbing your thumb against your other fingertips to symbolize, it's about money, Darren. Mm. It's about money, Darren. And so what is you're saying... Is that what I sound like? Do I, sound, I sound like a phone sex operator? Yes. It's about money, Darren. Yes. Yes, pull out your credit card. <laughs> <laughs> Stroke your credit card number. <laughs> Um, okay, I'm, I'm stroking my credit card number. Ooh, uh, all right, call back. If you will always say that it's all about money, here was an opportunity for Vince McMahon to make a little extra money. This would have been an extra wad of cash for very little extra expenditure on his part. That is why he should have done it. Another reason for him to have done it is because, right, Hard feelings, yes, yes. I understand that real human beings with real feelings <laughs> have I like hard how you're feelings. saying it like you're a robot. I, I've been programmed to no, understand. No, 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 I'm one of those people. Right, right, I'm right. I'm one of those humans who has real emotions. Vincent Kennedy McMahon right. is not one no, of them. No, no, no. He is that feelingless, money-making, money-eating, money-grubbing robot. And Vince McMahon is the one who made peace with Vern Gagne, who made peace with Bruno Sammartino, who made peace with Hulk Hogan, mm -hmm. with The Ultimate Warrior, with Roddy Piper, with Bret Hart. Why? Because of the dollar. And that's why Vince McMahon has all of those individuals in the WWE Hall of Fame, even though every one of them either spent their entire career or a large portion of it, either trying to put Vince out of business, competing directly against him, or at least, at least talking shit about him. And yet Vince said, ah, ha, ha, money. Right. That's what he needed to do this night in Greensboro. And if Cody is going to be accused by you or anyone else of saying no because it's the right thing for me to do. No, because 
here's an opportunity for Cody to take the high ground. This is the chance for Cody to be the bigger man and show up at Starcade the way Ganya and San Martino and Warrior all came back and said, you know what? I'm doing this for the fans. Cody could do this for his dad. Nobody loves the dream. Nobody loves Dusty Rhodes more probably than his son Cody Rhodes. Just listening to him cry and tell stories and tattoo dream across his left breast. Nobody loves their father. Nobody loves Dusty Rhodes, the American dream, seemingly more than Cody Rhodes does. So put those hard feelings aside and show up and stand beside your brother Dustin on this night in Greensboro. What you said is valid. I'm not trying to say it's not, but I am offering these two alternative thoughts here that Cody needs to be the bigger man and do it for the sentimentality and Vince needs to be Vince about it. Why all of a sudden not be Vince? But also, and that's a valid point, very valid point, I will say the people that you named, though, at least they had something to do with WWF. In which case, Starcade has nothing to do with WWF. But it's Dusty. It's dust. It's not Starcade, it's Dusty. Right. And Vince McMahon, I mean, Vince McMahon, whether he wants to admit it or not, or maybe even as a lie, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter. Publicly, the public face of Vince's opinion of Dusty is an incredibly high opinion. There's a great deal of reverence there for Dusty Rhodes. I don't think enough people thought it was for Dusty. They just thought like, oh, you're naming a house show Starcade. What a big fucking waste of time. And and also, I mean, you, you have to you have to realize that WWE is now aware that they have too many pay per views, and it's a problem. Because they're they're now they're now adding to the big four. It is not going to be the big five. Money the bank being a co-branded pay per view, um, which means it's like okay, shit, no more pay per views. So Starcade, if we air Starcade, then technically that's another pay per view slash network special. We already have too many. I'm not going to add one to the fucking lineup. So so from that business point as well, I get it, but. It, it, the whole thing just shouldn't have happened to begin with for me. Okay, two things real quick. One, I agree there are too many standard network specials slash pay-per-views. Right. Yes, that go uh, on the air and extend the storylines that are on Raw and SmackDown. Yes, there are too many of those. But you have a network that is 24-7. Right that is streaming, that is over the top, you need to provide content for it, whether you have 100,000 people tuning in or 50 people tuning in. Right. Because then you also have it there in perpetuity, right? Mm -hmm. People can go in and watch it on demand anytime they want. Oh, I agree. And that is why you put that show on the air. And you have the matches be what the matches are. They don't have to necessarily follow to the letter the stories that are happening on Raw and SmackDown. You can just have it as an exhibition show. But I will say in sort of attacking my own point here and sort of touching on the last thing that you said, the problem is the show got too big for its own britches. Michael Hayes simply wanted to call the show Starcade because it was in Greensboro. 
The fans, we, ourselves included, we made a mountain out of a molehill. We wanted Us this... Us wrestling fans never do that, by the way. <laughs> we could not, could not be further from the truth. <laughs> so yeah, we wanted this to be Starcade. We wanted this to be like the next Starcade that never happened. It was never going to be that. It was never going to be that. It wasn't they intended to be that. They made a Starcade graphic. It looked legit. That that's it. But I think that's the thing, though. It's like what we're saying with the Women's Royal Rumble is if, if you're going to do it, then fucking do it right. They should have recorded. There should have been cameras. And again, it, it may still happen. Um, but, you know, it needed to be a network special. It needs to exist, especially if it's, it's you know, certain things happen that we'll get into in a moment. You know, that, that need to be, you know, talked about. and like, oh, that's so cool. When? Oh, how do I watch that? Oh, I, I subscribe to WWE Network. I'll go watch it on that. So, obviously, it just it needed to exist. If it was going to be that, well, when you bring in Starcade, again, the name alone that has weight to it, you don't just go, oh, this, this house show, Starcade. I'm, I'm going to go to every house show now and go, oh, this is this is Great American Beth. <laughs> I'm just going to walk in and just say that. Um, yeah. Woo! Welcome to Spring Stampede! Hog wild, baby! I'm gonna drive my motorcycle. Yeah! I'm gonna tailgate. I'm gonna get like 10, 10 bikers to follow me to, to follow me to like some house show in Tallahassee. And be like, woo hog wild! This is Sturgis, right? <laughs> Vince, there's 11 bikers outside and they keep screaming hog wild. And Vince is like, why am I at a house show? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Well, let's talk about the card real quick. We're not going to get too in-depth on all of these matches, but we do want to uh, let you know what happened in case you don't ever see it. Right. And uh, we do want to make sure we mention a couple of neat things where they did take advantage of who works for the company and uh, the fact that it is Starcade, it is Greensboro. So, uh, the... so a couple of cool things do happen, yeah. and, and that's another reason that it's kind of like, well, why can't I watch this? And, and WWE was, then after Starcade happened, they posted on Facebook like, what was your favorite Starcade moment? And everyone's like, we didn't see the fucking thing. What are you talking about? Which I thought was hilarious. Bobby Roode took on Dolph Ziggler, and oh, there you are, Dolph. Um, if you told Bobby Roode, or shit, even Dolph Ziggler, but more so Bobby Roode five years ago, in five years from now, you're going to wrestle Dolph Ziggler at Starcade. It would have been like, oh, glorious. Yeah, because that's all I could say. And he sounds all like Vince McMahon. But <laughs> that's interesting to me. So they, they, they had a straight-up uh, singles match with Arn Anderson mm. as the outside-the-ring enforcer. Double A. Well, he is the enforcer. Double A, Arn Anderson the enforcer was the enforcer. Double A does make his presence known, inserting himself uh, after the match, putting the spine buster on Dolph Ziggler, and uh, that's a sight to see. Sight to see. Good to see old Arn Anderson in action at any time. I, I know that he is a very big part of what happens backstage, but they don't cart him out the way they do the rest of the old timers. <laughs> cart him out. <laughs> Well, that's what they do with everybody else. And it is okay. They have come them in a, on, in a wheel. They have them in a wheelbarrow, and it's like, all right, get our Anson out there. Oh, what's going on? Just stand there and and, and tuck your thumb 
Alright, good. Alright, go go back in the back, monkey. Go back in the back. Oh, that's, that, that's what you said was I happening. didn't say that at all. I, I respect the man's lineage, and I, I respect I respect the respect that he gives. Okay. Well, all right. well, all right. you didn't say anything. A 12-man tag team match happens at Starcade. The Bludgeon Brothers. Was this the pre-show for Starcade? <laughs> Luke Harper and Eric Rowan. Who are now calling themselves the Bludgeon Brothers. Uh, are both, they, though? They are. They are. They haven't dropped that yet? No, they okay. were on SmackDown just this week in full-on Bludgeon Brothers gear. They look like, uh, they look sort of like, uh, what were those guys called? Um, the Mario Brothers? No, the Highlanders. Were they called the Highlanders? The, the Scottish guys that were wrestlers in WWE just a few years ago. Golly. Not the sheep herders. No, not the sheep herders. Nice. Not the not the bushwhackers. Okay. Uh, but anyway, they look like a cross between them and Kane. They got a lot of ripped up black and red gear all of a sudden. And uh, But I love the new entrance. But anyway, on this night in Greensboro, they tag with Mike Canellis, Primo and Epico, the Colognes, and Rusev with Aiden English. And I've yet to quite figure out that pairing. I, I, I kind of like it, but I haven't figured it out. Now, as a uh, as a team, that is uh, a weird group. But they take on Brizongo, which is the team of Tyler Breeze and Fondango, a.k.a. the Fashion Police, Sin Cara, Ty Dillinger, and the Ascension. And uh, it is the team of the Bludgeon Brothers, the Colognes, Rusev and Mike Kanellis, they get the victory. Next, we see Naomi take on Tamina with Lana. And now Lana is stuck with Tamina. Why isn't she with Rusev? She's not wrestling anymore. If you watch Total Divas, you see they took her out of the ring just as quickly as they put her into it. So if she's just going to be a statuesque blonde in stilettos at ringside, the person in the ring needs to be Rusev, not Tamina. But who am I? Feel kind of bad. And and we when we talk about Lana wrestling, we always said the same thing, which was she shouldn't be wrestling at this point. She needs to keep training and get better because obviously the reason why we're we're critical on Lana is because she just needs to to get better before she puts herself out there. She's misrepresenting herself because I think she's capable of a lot more. Well, yeah, but they're forcing her hand. Yeah, you don't take the cookies out of the oven before they're baked, maybe? Right, because they ain't done. Okay. They're probably still good, though, right? I mean, I'll eat raw cookie dough all day. Yeah, but they're not <laughs> done. Okay. Right? Well, you are chef extraordinaire. Lana could still do some good things. Right. She's not done. She's not done yet. She's not done. You want that crisp, that char. Naomi defeats Tamina, big surprise. I don't think Tamina... Is that her name now, Tamina, big surprise? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, even that gimmick would be better than anything they've ever done with her. Oh, I feel so bad for her. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, we do see Dash Wilder. He has an opponent. Goldust's Shattered Dreams music starts. And we see the gold and black hooded robe in the entranceway. But underneath that robe, what do we get here? Not Enzo Amore. I was to say, Enzo Amore came out as gold dust. Not Edith Bunker. No, <laughs> no. 
What do we got here? We got the natural Dustin Rhodes. Wow. What? And he is wearing his latter days WCW gear. Very quickly, uh, I, I want to say this. Obviously, a lot of you, most of you likely are wrestling fans listening to this podcast. I hope so. There are some that I know for sure are not wrestling fans. Now, I want to point out very quickly, Dustin Rhodes and Dusty Rhodes are two very different people. Dustin Rhodes is the son of Dusty Rhodes. Dusty Rhodes, who, uh, you know, the American Dream, baby, large guy, bionic elbow, all the good stuff. He passed away. He never believed the 265 pounds of blue-eyed soul who captivated a nation like a hell. There, there he is right there. Uh, uh, yeah, late, great Dusty Rhodes, no longer with us. Uh, Dustin Rhodes, still wrestling, has been wrestling since the 80s. Uh, you know him. You might know him better as Gold Dust in the WWE. Before that, he was in WCW as Dustin Rhodes, and this is very cool because he he takes off the, the paint and takes off the gold uh, bodysuit. He's just the natural Dustin Rhodes. So very cool thing. Uh, it because you know Starcade obviously reeks of WCW and the old times, the good times, even though you know they weren't always great. Um, so that, that, that's a very cool thing. So I want to clear that up real quick because I'm saying Dustin and Dusty and, and people who are like, wait a minute, what? So I want to go ahead and say that real quick. Yeah, no, I think that's a valid point. So hopefully somebody out there, some of our dear listeners. That's for you, Ben. Okay. Uh, I wanted to mention <laughs> that, Ben, just in case. Hopefully Ben is listening this week and, uh, hopefully others now, uh, I just want Ben, just this let- episode is dedicated to Ben. You know who you are, Ben Joe. I think a lot more episodes should probably be dedicated to Ben. All the amazing, well, fine, fine. The, the, the other sixty-two, doing. they're all for Ben. Not all of them. He's not that good. All of oh, <laughs> wow, god damn. Well, Ben, we'll stop returning our phone calls and uh, text messages. So anyway, so anyway, very cool to see the natural Dustin. Yeah, Rose. and I, I feel like how weird must that night have been for Dustin? How long has it been? I'll tell you how long it's been. It's probably been about nine years. Since he wrestled as the natural Dustin Rhodes. Yeah, man. Unless he's done it on some other obscure WWE house show. It's been since before he got his life together and cleaned up his act and was wrestling a lot of independents. Sometimes as Goldust, sometimes as Dustin Rhodes. All right. But it's been that long since he probably put on that black sleeveless top and those red leather pants. And to do so in Greensboro at a show called Starcade. I mean, you know, at least part of his mind, and he's a really emotional fella, part of his mind had to go, where am I? When am I? Man, it took me no time to prepare for my match, as opposed to being gold dust and putting uh, face makeup on for an hour. It was nice to see Dustin win this match. Dustin does defeat Dash Didn't Wilder. Did he have to win the he match? Had to. No, he had to. I'm just glad that Dash Wilder didn't get injured immediately so that the revival continuously stays off television because one or the other is injured. This next match I really kind of would have liked to have seen. Shinsuke Nakamura took on the United States champion Baron Corbin. Interesting. And the belt was on the line. The Mm -hmm. United States championship was up for grabs, but Shinsuke won by disqualification. Hey, that's good. That's a win, baby. It is. It is. But he didn't take the belt off of... Orban. And and that's a shame. I want to see Nakamura with great success, and uh, who knows when we'll see it, if we'll see it at this point. 
I definitely. All you gotta do is listen to the pop. Hey, WWE, listen to the pop. Don't get me started. Moving on. Listen to the pop. Fatal four-way tag team match for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. Your champions, the Usos, Jay and Jimmy Uso, take on the New Day on this night. The New Day fighting as Kofi and Xavier with Big E at ringside. Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin, a.k.a. American Alpha 2, Electric Boogaloo. Mm -hmm. And the team of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. If not for a Dustin and Greg, I would call Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn team best friends. But uh, on this night, the Usos retain. The Usos beat all of those other people. And if that's not a push, then I don't know what is. Uh, you've got former world champions in there. I see US NXT champions. And yet the Usos come out on top. And then I mean, our... it was a big televised event, Darren. So of course you <laughs> In our penultimate match, we will have a steel cage match. Back-to-back cage matches. Here, the first one for the SmackDown Women's Championship, the top prize of the blue brand of the WWE. Charlotte Flair, your women's SmackDown champion, defeats Natalia. Natalia is the victim here. Falling prey to Charlotte Flair for about the third or fourth time uh, in a row. Well, they're they're in uh, horseman slash horsewoman territory. Hey, this was a given that Charlotte would win this match. Yeah, yeah. And in our main event, back inside that steel cage, now the men's top prize from the blue brand SmackDown, the WWE Championship. The champion, of course, AJ Styles takes on the man whom he beat, Jinder Mahal, accompanied to the ring, of course, by the Singh brothers. And AJ Styles retains. AJ Styles, their southern boy from Gainesville, Georgia, not too far from home there in North Carolina, wins this match by escaping the steel cage. Oh. And, uh, again, another thing I'd love to see on my television and maybe never will. Maybe, maybe not. NXT did broadcast their show from San Antonio, which took place just before TakeOver. Talk uh, about don't get me started. Don't get me started on that. Well, so there is hope for Starcade showing up as a network special at some point. I mean, obviously cameras were rolling. I've seen professional footage from Starcade. So, again, we'll, we'll definitely see what happens. So Starcade may or may not be back in a way, sorta. Uh, but we're going to take you back take you back to a better time for Starcade. We're going to take you all the way back to 1996. Darren, this is 21 years ago. Oh my goodness. Shit. This is 21 years ago. And uh, man, I'm glad we picked this one to talk about because we are in the Starcade mood. It is Starcade season. And what better year in WCW? Well, there probably were. Then 1996, so without further ado, folks, we're going to take you back. Take you back. Because this is WCW, this is Starcade, this is 1996. Take you back. Do, 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 do. Take you back. Take you back. Do, 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 do. Take you back. 
We are 21 years ago. We are in 1996. We are at Starcade on the 29th of December in Nashville, Tennessee at the Municipal Auditorium. Here, World Championship Wrestling presents Starcade 96 featuring the match of the century. The battle of the icons. On paper, it looks Don't great. Don't laugh at that. I, I, I laugh at that only because I saw the match. But no, on paper, if, if okay, well, you know, take it back. Take you back. To like 1990 or 91 or 89. And then you see Piper versus Hook and then it's like, oh my God, that's WrestleMania. This is still a big match. And this is not that bad of a match. And I'm going to not say any more now. Because I'll say it when we talk about the match itself. Right. But no, it has no business being called the match of the century. It has no business being called match of the decade. Which, it's funny, because like the show actually starts with them saying match of the decade. And that's all they're saying. Somehow, they eventually start saying match of the someone, century. Someone got in the headset. Match of the century! Match of the century! It's not even match of the night. Ooh. So, when, when I, well, first of all, when I think of Starcade 96... I think of uh, I, I think of looking at the box for Starcade '96 and it says Starcade '97 because um, the the obviously the video this is December when the pay per view happens so obviously the videotape doesn't come out until the next year so they just they put oh well this year is <laughs> this year's '97 so they put '97 on the really? box yeah I never I remember, saw I remember, that box well because I saw the box at Hollywood Video when I worked at Hollywood Video because they used to rent wrestling uh, tapes which was awesome. Um, and I was like, okay, 97. But then I was like, no, 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 wait a minute. 97, that, that's Hollywood Hogan versus Sting and that clusterfuck of a match. <laughs> um, so it was kind of like, wait a minute, what, what, I don't understand. But then, you know, I was like, oh, it's just a misprint. So Weird. So I, 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 I don't think all the boxes say that because I've seen half say 96. 97, though, is the one that I saw. The one that I own said it because I bought it from Hollywood Video. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's weird. Yeah. You should find that and, and, and stick a snapshot. I'd like to see that. Okay. Apparently, Darren does not believe me. No, no. I totally believe yeah, you. That's great. I want to see this evidence. I know. I totally believe you. I'd like to put it up on our Instagram and our Twitter because that's be like, hey, look at that. That's weird. Yeah. When I think of Starcade 96, I immediately think of the end of Halloween Havoc 96 when Roddy Piper made his WCW debut. And, you know, I, internet is in its infancy. Internet wrestling community is certainly in its infancy. But there are some websites at that time that you go to that we went to um, as high school students. And I still don't think we caught that Piper was going to debut. And it was after the main event was already over. It was very much a surprise when Piper debuted right. in WCW. And here he is, just two short months later, challenging Hollywood Hogan. And he's been Hollywood Hogan on this night here in December for about six months. Right. And the NWO is absolutely running roughshod. So, yeah, let's set the scene. Um, this is this is the end of 96. Hall and Nash have jumped from WWF. The NWO is now starting. You know, DiBiase's there. Uh <laughs> Vincent, aka Virgil, is there. Uh, Miss Liz is there. So it, it, it's it's a lot of uh, faces you know from WWF, and I think eventually we get to a match where it's like, hey, we were all in WWF like a year ago, um, which is very funny. But so NWO is going on. The Monday Night Wars are starting to heat up. Uh, WCW starting to 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 turn the tide 
if the tide hasn't been turned already by this point. Um, and Piper's here. Hogan is your world champion. On this card all night long, your main commentary team will consist of Tony Schiavone, basically your air traffic controller, with Dusty Rhodes. Speaking of Dusty Rhodes and Starcade, right? We got Dusty Rhodes here, the American Dream, to the right of Shivani, uh, screen left, and Bobby the Brain Heenan, uh, screen right to Tony Shivani's left. And I don't know, I don't know who had it harder on this night: some of the hardworking wrestlers or Tony Shivani. Shivani did definitely <laughs> trying to keep the peace, or trying to keep any semblance of order between the two knuckleheads on either side of him, and the guest commentators that frequent the booth as well. The opening match of the evening sees the Ultimo Dragon, and we hear it all. We hear Ultimo Dragon, we hear Ultimate Dragon, and we hear Mike Tanay say Ultimo Dragon, uh, as Mike Tanay joins Dusty, Tony, and Bobby in the commentary booth for this match. Ultimo Dragon is accompanied to the ring by his manager, Sonny Ono, and he takes on Dean Malenko, the Iceman. Ultimo Dragon carrying eight championships with him, the J-Crown Championship included, and Dean Malenko is carrying around the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. And they're calling it a title unification match. So You know who's uh, calling it that, don't they? They are. They are. That's Arcade. Ultimo Dragon is either going to win one belt on this night, or Dean Malenko is going to win eight. <laughs> I'm not sure which titles comprise this collection of eight titles that uh, Ultimo Dragon and Sonny Ono are carrying around, but I know at least two of them look like uh, replicas of the old NWA World Heavyweight title. It's like, what are those belts? One, they look alike. And two, they both look like the NWA World Championship of old. And I know that one of them is, uh, I think part of this uh, J-Crown Championship was the old WWF Light Heavyweight Championship. And I'm talking about the one that predates the one that they brought around about this time. So we're talking about an old, old one. The... the the one they brought around for Takamichi no Kuda had Exactly. Yeah. One that predates even that belt. I think uh, Ultimo Dragon is carrying around. Vince McMahon lost that to, to the, the nation of Mexico at some point long ago. But on this match, somebody is going to uh, unify some titles. And with Mike Tanejo on the commentary here, it's, it's weird... Because at first, it's sort of like, okay, all the other guys sort of defer to his wrestling hold knowledge. But eventually, they become, like, critical of it. They become, like, <laughs> they become like drunken assholes you're teaching a foreign language to. Right? No, no, it's, it's, it's even worse much later, but you, you, get, you get a bit of this here, but it gets really bad later on. Also, another thing I noticed during this match, and of course, it will obviously happen for the rest of the night, but here, even in the first match, it's painfully obvious the abundance of nwo shirts in the crowd oh yeah wow everybody is wearing an nwo shirt yes and that that uh, nwo shirt i had one you had one darren oh man i had multiple ones and i wore every one of them threadbare <laughs> I, I i picture you wearing like all of them at the same time 
It's kind of like, <laughs> it's kind of like, what a waste. It's so much laundry you got to do. This is a super good match, by the way. Ultimo Dragon um, is actually, I mean, you, you don't, I, I don't think anyone's ever given Ultimo Dragon his his due. Not in the U.S. they haven't. He's always given a superb match. In fact, you you mentioned earlier the live fest show we did with uh, the wrestlers. And I think I asked Matt Cross who his favorite opponents were. And he says Ultimo Dragon. I, I think one of his favorite people he ever wrestled is Ultimo Dragon. Um, so Dragon and uh, Dean Malenko, someone else that uh, always put on a really good show. And these two put on a really good match. And this is like a typical, because we're watching it, I'm like, I feel like we're watching Nitro. This is such a typical Nitro match. It um, felt good, didn't it? It felt good. Also, it the, felt the, the good. musics, the musics are so All fucking the, Nitro. Oh, they oh, are. Man. I will say this. You set the stage earlier for uh, what was going on. Uh, on the television screen, and I'm sure some of our listeners, depending on their age, went, oh, yeah, I was three years old. Or, <laughs> oh, I was also in high school. Right. Or, oh, man, I'd already stopped watching wrestling by then. Right. Or I hadn't started watching wrestling yet. Uh, but the stage for us is, I'm in high school, we're in high school, and I, at this point, love nothing more in the world than the NWO. Mm-hmm. I'm so deep into my wrestling fandom in 1996 and i am nwo for life and there is something truly magical about that feeling of watching monday nitro these old nitro musics and uh oh man when d malenko's music hit just like what i i'm happy i'm happy just to hear this music and it is a good match ultimately the ultimo dragon wins the match yeah, imagine that he wins with a double arm underhook uh which is ostensibly a tiger suplex into a bridge and pin malenko has no prayer of getting out of this hold and we well, can't pray dragon, with those hands behind his back no and uh so he adds title number nine, and Ultimo Dragon will move on. Next up, we have another match between an American and a Japanese superstar, Medusa. Medusa Maselli, a.k.a. Alundra Blaze, takes on Akira Hokuto of Japan. She is escorted to the ring by her husband, uh, Kinsuke Sasaki, and then later joined by Sonny Ono, who I guess... Went- Sonny Ono was still like taking Ultimo Dragon in the back. Yeah. He doesn't enter with them, but no. all of a sudden he just shows up at ringside. And I, I, I noticed that also, yeah. Well, we learned that this is a tournament final for the inaugural WCW Women's Championship. And yeah, they're going to inaugurate this belt, and then we're never going to hear of it again. Yeah, and this is actually a really good match, too. Akira Hokuto, like, really good. And Medusa is, like, is, is super fit, super athletic, and she's she's putting on a really good show with Akira. She um, is. Medusa's really good, but she's lacking in style. Right. What Akira Hokuto has in spades. And we're talking about 21 years ago. Nobody's wrestling like that, but Akira Hokuto is. She was. Uh, Medusa, very old school as well. Like, she's she's someone who like, wrestles in the old NWA, I think, style. Where it's, yeah, it, it's, it's more about... Telling the story and, and like just grappling than it is about like all the shit that Akira can do already. Sure. Um, which I mean, so it, it's a pretty good match. It's kind of a squash though. Akira does 
Uh, I was really surprised that Akira really beats down Medusa, especially at Starcade in WCW. I mean, Akira comes off the top rope with that missile drop kick and then a brain buster on Medusa. I never thought I'd ever see Medusa take a fucking brain buster. Uh, but yeah, gets the pin, gets the win on Medusa, and Akira is your first women's champion. And like you said, Darren, kind of the last time you'd really see those. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to look into that, but I don't know when, if ever, we see this belt again. Yeah. Um, last thing about this match, it was funny. Tanae leaves the, the commentary booth. But Lee Marshall steps right back in. We don't want to not have four people. <laughs> so uh, Stagger Lee Marshall, the the late great Stagger Lee Marshall, mm-hmm. uh, R.I.P. Stagger Lee, the voice of Tony the Tiger. For those of you who may not know, correct. Lee Marshall was the voice of uh, serial icon, uh, breakfast cereal icon Tony the Tiger. <laughs> Say, please clarify, breakfast cereal icon Tony the Tiger. No, Lee Marshall is uh, is excellent. It's weird to hear him in the arena. Isn't he supposed to be in the next town? Yeah, he's supposed to be in the next town <laughs> at a Nitro party. Uh, yeah. Even though he's probably just backstage calling. Or like just in his car like at a drive-thru. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm here in uh, Sheboygan. Uh, a lot of shows happen in Sheboygan, apparently. And, yeah, uh, it's well, gonna be if great. he's going to be at Sheboygan, then he's definitely not going to be in the Women's Royal Rumble. <laughs> Nice callback to earlier in the episode. But if you, if you skipped ahead, you missed out, listeners. <laughs> but if uh, if Lee Marshall was backstage, he would have seen Mean Gene in the back waiting to interview Rowdy Roddy Piper about the night's main event, about the so-called match of the decade, which is starting to turn into the match of the century before our very eyes. Piper is hysterical, absolutely hysterical. This is classic. Rowdy Roddy Piper. Nothing new about that, yeah. Yeah, nothing new. No. Uh, (laughs) And he always, always, I would say, like, WrestleMania 3 and after, because he was always hysterical, and he was always loud and obnoxious, but starting with WrestleMania 3 until he eventually retired and stopped appearing on television, uh, he, he would always manage to say one thing that was like, what? You know, it wasn't... You never go back to that WrestleMania 1 Roddy Piper, which was just straight badass. Straight ultra heel badass. He had to start getting weird. And on this night, the weird thing he says, compared to Hulk Hogan, who he's calling Giant, he refers to himself as being the same size as the famous midget wrestler, Sky Low Low. And if you thought that you would hear Sky Low Low mentioned in uh, professional wrestling in 1996... And uh, you uh, would be some sort of precog, because otherwise there's no way you'd have thought you'd hear Sky Low Low uh, <laughs> here in the NWO era. But then they go back to the ring. Jushin Thunder Liger, still with the Land of the Rising Sun being represented here. Three matches in a row with uh, a Japanese wrestler. Uh, not not commonplace in in 1996. So uh, no, this is more of an early 90s NWA thing. Yeah, but it's definitely carried over here. Bischoff has struck some kind of deal with New Japan, and at one point while we were watching this, well, probably in 1996 as well. But when we were watching this together last night, you you leaned to, over to me and said, "Is this New Japan presents Starcade?" <laughs> yes. 
And uh, taking on Rey Mysterio Jr. back when he was still a junior. Still a junior. He was a junior, yes, in name and in uh, in every other respect. He is uh, he's pretty fresh. Pretty fresh. He's a veteran in his own right at this point. A veteran of Mexican wrestling. And also, at this point, he's been in WCW for a while. Uh, coming over to WCW from ECW. Mm-hmm. As well as a stint in AAA uh, with Conan doing the brokering. For most of those Mexican wrestlers at that time. Today, back in the booth, says that this match is a first time ever dream match. For those that know and understand and follow international wrestling, the idea here in 1996 of seeing Jushin Liger versus Rey Mysterio Jr., hell yeah, it's a dream match. Yeah, and and, and speaking of dream, uh, Dusty Rhodes uh, and Shivani and Hina, I'll, I'll, I'll give this match its due. Uh, no, they don't. They're extra laughing at Tanae's, uh And it's so funny because they don't know like what a hurricanrana is. And, and it's just kind of like, like how? what fucking year is this? Uh, yeah, all, all these moves that are commonplace now. I guess, you know, this time No Mercy, the video game, had not come out. So you had not uh, made your creative player and learned all the names of every move. Um, well, if the people like Dusty and Shivani and Heenan are not going to appreciate the wrestling enough... Well, at least Tanae is, and at least Bill Apter is. Bill Apter in plain sight here at ringside. Famous wrestling insider, journalist, photographer, magazine editor, all-around wrestling superfan and inside man. Bill Apter uh, is very visible here and will continue to be for the rest of the show taking pictures on this night here in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. Liger wins this match, and oh my God... Japan has successfully invaded. Yeah, the uh, end of the match is interesting because uh, Rey Mysterio goes for a hurricanrana from the top rope of Frankensteiner. Liger just kind of like brushes it off (laughs) and just lets Rey Mysterio fall on his head uh, from from up top. And then uh, Liger... Liger hits that beautiful Liger bomb and the, and the pin and the win. And it's funny because after uh, after the Akira Hokuto match with Medusa, uh, Heenan actually says uh, Japan 2, America 0. And on this one, he says Japan 3, America 0. Because he realizes <laughs> Ray is an American. Uh, it's good stuff. Our next matchup is Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Actually, I don't think he's Double J. I mean, he is. He's Jeff Jarrett. Well, but he, he is spelling his name with two. Uh, that J's. is true. Okay. But this is not the uh, ain't I great uh, uh, red uh, like light up hat Jeff Jarrett. No, he. I want to say this is not the obnoxious Jeff Jarrett, but he's always been the obnoxious Jeff. That's Jarrett. true. That's true. No, the weird thing about this first time uh, WCW run for Jarrett coming off of the Double J era. But before all of the other fantastical incarnations we'll see later, we just have regular old Jeff Jarrett in his Memphis gear, the sort of like striped, like cut up striped top in the pants with his big platinum blonde hair. I'm I'm a fan. Even then, I'm a fan of this. But it's weird seeing him sort of like not really gimmicked out at all. All On this night, he will take on... Chris Benoit, the crippler Chris Benoit, uh, coming to the ring by woman, oh. a.k.a. Nancy Benoit, and it's weird to watch. It's it's uncomfortable. Um, we, were, we were fast-forwarding to see like who all was on the card, 
and we saw that Jeff Jarrett just wins by, you know, yeah. disqualification. Well, like, he wins by disqualification. Uh, oh, yeah, who did he beat? Oh, wait, it has to be Benoit. Oh, yeah, because if they don't mention it, that usually means Chris Benoit because they scrub Benoit from WWE history. Like, he doesn't exist. Um, so, I mean, if there's ever a montage of, like, world champions, like... Well, it's not going to be in it. No, definitely You, you could not. never say here, everyone's represented because there's no way to represent Chris Benoit. And for those of you who don't know who Chris Benoit is, uh, we'll let you Wikipedia that one. We're not going to get into that. But yeah, seeing Chris Benoit come out, and I, I admitted I, I had not seen a Chris Benoit match in a long time. Yeah, me neither. Not even because I'm necessarily trying to boycott you know, any wrestling matches I've ever been part of. I just hadn't, I realized. And he comes out with a woman, which makes it even more like, oh, God. But I mean, that's WCW in '96. That's Chris Benoit, and that's what Woman was doing. So, and yeah, and we said, you know, like I said a second ago, it's weird to see the two of them there. We know what happens to them, unfortunately, with uh, both of them meeting their ending in such an unfortunate fashion. And uh, so, you know, obviously, that's the the nicest possible way of saying that they're dead and the circumstances were awful. But what's really bizarre is. Not only watching them come out and having that thought, but, you know, I, I noted that during this match of the eight performers, meaning the wrestlers, the valets, the referee, and the commentators of the eight people involved in this match, only two of them are still alive here 21 years later. Yeah. Two out of eight. Those are not good statistics. Right. Tony Schiavone and Jeff Jarrett survive. While all the rest of uh, the people involved, the commentators, Benoit and uh, Woman, as well as referee Mark Curtis, real name of Brian Hildebrand, who died of cancer not too many years after after this happened. And um, one thing that's very clear here is uh, in this match, back to the to the match to the kayfabe world of wrestling, uh, there's something very clear in this. There is a four horseman controversy there is a rift in the four horsemen folks and uh it, it's pretty apparent when arn anderson comes out to the ring and just kind of gives a uh, old chris benoit the cold shoulder uh, because you don't know if arn anderson is for jeff jarrett or chris benoit um because uh, rick flair has given uh, jeff jarrett his blessing i believe and he's he's kind of leaning towards getting jeff jarrett involved in the four horsemen even though at this point <laughs> many four horsemen can you put in before it stops becoming the four horsemen? How many can you put in before it stops being the four horsemen? Oh, exactly. Uh, five. Five is when it immediately stops being the four horsemen. And I mentioned Malenko earlier. I'm not even sure if he is technically a part of the horsemen or not on this night. But if he is, then there's like seven horsemen. Right. I mean, we're like seriously, without exaggerating. Just call yourself the Magnificent Seven or something like <laughs> that by then. Ooh. Yeah. That would have been neat. That would have been cool. No, instead it gets weird because Pillman just left. And that's what opened the door for Malenko. But I think here before Malenko accepts that position, it becomes this weird controversy of Mongo and Jarrett. And Maybe Malenko. And then it gets even weirder because Anderson has to retire. Yeah. And, and, and So then it's like he and, and, then and, and rejoins. Jumps in. Right, like and then Arn? Hennig's out immediately. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe Dean Malenko is like the archangel that's with the full horseman. But I'm getting into comic book 
Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, terminology. No, okay. instead, uh, what we we see is Arn Anderson comes out, he actually comes to the ring and surprises Benoit, uh, who's who's like, all right, here comes the enforcer, my fellow horseman. But Arn just sort of gives him the cold shoulder, right. walks on by, goes over to Jarrett's corner where he stands for a while. And uh, meanwhile, everybody's paying attention to Arn Anderson. Here comes Conan and Hugh Morris. And just uh, so everybody understands here, we're talking about Conan. Yes, the Conan from Lucha Underground and who, would, you know, much earlier but later than this moment, be a, a proud member of the NWO Wolfpack and Olale, Filthy Animals, Whole Nine Yards. The goddamn music video. On this night, he's in the Dungeon of Doom. So he's a partner of Hugh Morris's, a.k.a. Bill DeMott, who was Prince Albert's uh, predecessor as the head trainer at NXT for the longest time. And uh, Hugh Morris, <laughs> according to uh, Dusty, is kicked in the vitals <laughs> by Nancy Sullivan. Apparently those uh, dangly bits betwixt his legs are vitals. And then as all of this is happening, Kevin Sullivan gets in the ring. Kevin Sullivan following his own direction. Because as we well know, Kevin Sullivan is the booker of WCW at this time. But on screen, he's the taskmaster, and he is basically the chief lieutenant uh, of the Dungeon of Doom, answering only to the father or the master. Mm -hmm. um, and Sullivan gets in the ring and shatters a wooden chair. <laughs> yeah, it's not your typical uh, steel folding chair. It is a wooden chair, and it <laughs> literally explodes into a thousand pieces as soon as uh, he strikes Benoit with it. And simultaneously, this is going on. On the outside, Arn Anderson shows his true colors, uh, and he actually DDTs Jeff Jarrett on the outside. And that's why I love you. <laughs> And uh, grabs Jeff Jarrett, rolls him back into the ring. I guess he was hoping to, for Chris Benoit to get that easy victory on Jeff Jarrett. Uh, but I guess he was too busy beating up Jeff Jarrett to realize that Chris Benoit had actually been KO'd by Kevin Sullivan. And uh, when Jeff Jarrett rolls in, his arm lands over the laid out Chris Benoit. And he actually gets the pinfall on uh, Chris Benoit, which which may have later at some point been deemed a disqualification. Because I know for sure yes. that the 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 WWE Network did say he won by disqualification. And you and I had this conversation about well, technically it's a double pin because Jeff Jarrett's shoulders are also pinned down. Right. This should not be a DQ. Well, I guess it could be a DQ win, but it should definitely not be. Oh, well, I guess it is. They did call it right. Okay. But they didn't call it right in the ring. No, no, no. It was no, just, the, it was just the a WWE network. The WWE network called it right. But in the ring. Wait, 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 wait. No one can win by disqualification. It's a no disqualification match. Wait a minute. Is what the a, fuck? Wait, is it a no disqualification? It's a no DQ match. They say that. Okay, well, then the network's wrong, but you can't get too mad because nobody says that on the broadcast. It had to be mentioned because I wrote it down. It, it's a no DQ match, right? But they, there's no mention of there being a DQ on the broadcast. Okay, okay. It's only in the description on the on the timeline bar on the network. But that is a bonehead move on the on the network's part. Yeah, network but, programmer. But then again, were you smoking? Well, they were smoking the. We got to get rid of Chris Benoit. Just put anything. I guess so. Yeah. But what? <laughs> Jeff Jarrett pins. And moving on. Oblivion Cree. Oblivion Cree. 
the, my problem though is watching this is Jarrett's shoulders are on the mat as well. As these men are both in the ring, put both knocked out by you know respectively Anderson and Sullivan. Here you have them both lying flat on their backs, and even though Jarrett's hand is on top of Benoit, that's a cover. Uh, well, yes, that's a cover, but a cover doesn't count if the person making the cover also has Oof. both shoulders flat on the mat. So I don't like it. To me, this constitutes a no contest at best. Right. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, things kind of up in the air here. We don't know what was going on. What was Arn Anderson's true intentions? Mean Gene Okerlund comes out to get some answers from the Four Horsemen who are all leaving. No one is saying anything to Mean Gene. Uh, but not to worry because uh, Mongo McMichael comes out from the back with Deborah McMichael. And uh, they've come to answer some of Mean Gene's uh, questions. Well, not really, though. Mongo never really says anything. And Deborah never really says much either. Um, Deborah mentions, I think, that she uh, she's pretty sure that everyone wanted Deborah to be under their Christmas tree for Christmas, but she's not going to do that. And I thought that was nice of her. Just that way they didn't get their hopes up that they might see Deborah McMichael under their Christmas tree. She also calls woman Nancy. Oh. And that yeah. was never done back then. And she says it very briefly, and Gene Okerlund makes a face like he's about to correct her. But he doesn't. <laughs> He's, you know, and I kept expecting him to go, I think you mean woman. Right, right. Or like, yes, Nancy, uh, who, who is uh, the, who we know as woman. Yes, Nancy of Sid and Nancy. But he doesn't say a thing. But uh, <laughs> nevertheless, Mongo shits <laughs> Nancy all over Kerrigan. And uh, in closing, Deborah does say that Jeff Jarrett is, quote, definitely horseman material. Mm. So we'll see what happens there. I know Mongo's not going to be real stoked on that. No, he's not. Um, but uh, following that, we have a tag team title match uh, where your tag team champions are the Outsiders, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall with six. Well, I, I got two words for you. Not suck it. Hey, yo. There you go. They take on the Faces of Fear, Barbarian, and Ming uh, with Jimmy Hart and they all climb in the ring, and I literally, that, that, that's when I said, like, hey, remember when all of these guys were in WWF only, like, a year or two ago? Because they all were. Yeah. Uh, the Faces of Fear kind of dominate this match. from a They really do. From a straight-up physical perspective, this is their match. Yeah. And interestingly enough, this, this, is the first, this is the first match you hear the NWO theme. Um, which which becomes oh yeah yeah, yeah on the night typically yeah. you hear it well when NWO got really really over bloated you could, you heard the NWO theme like once every ten minutes and it was like oh my god I still love this but the funny thing about the uh, the matches uh, when the outsiders come out um, they the camera cuts to a sign like I mean the sign is front and center they did it on purpose. The sign says Hogan and the NWO are just WWF rejects. Why would you do that? I don't know. That serves <laughs> no purpose at all for WCW here. The director made the bad call there. Uh, first of all, why would you acknowledge WWF? Secondly, why would you do it and say, we got their shit. They threw this shit out and now they're our champions. Uh, they didn't really think that one through. 
But yes, this is all former WWF personnel. Nick Patrick is a referee, which uh, is usually bad news for WCW because Nick Patrick at this time was... He wasn't quite NWO, but he was definitely turning rogue against WCW. And I love that they incorporated a referee yeah. into the whole thing. That he was like NWO sympathizer. Yeah. What? I've got earrings, man. I'm NWO. Yeah, Tony, Tony Schiavone at one point says... Have you ever seen a referee wearing earrings? <laughs> Which I hadn't. I was actually thinking the same thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it kind of is a lot of Barbarian and Ming just beating the snot out of Scott Hall. Um, and uh, Barbarian is doing such a good job at doing it, he doesn't realize that when he tries to pin Hall, um, he's not the legal man. Ming is technically the legal man. And uh, the interesting thing about that is uh, Barbarian never tags Ming in ever again. And Ming never gets in the ring ever again. So Barbarian just kind of finishes the match, even though he's technically not the legal man. I wonder if Nick Patrick's like, you're not a legal man. Barbarian's like, I don't know what that is. Probably. Probably. And I think they even say that in commentary. Like, Eden's probably like, he doesn't even know, he probably doesn't even know what that means. And it's like, he literally probably meant that. But despite being on the losing end of most of this match, Nash wins it for the Outsiders. He does. By hitting... The power bomb, the jackknife power bomb, high impact power moves like only Big Daddy Cool can do. That's right. Yeah, I thought maybe six would actually play a bigger part in the match. He doesn't. He actually chases Jimmy Hart into the back. Yeah. And I guess that happens just so you don't think at any point six will help them. And I guess he must chase. He must chase uh, Jimmy Hart forever because you'd never see six <laughs> again. Um, <laughs> so that's very interesting. But yeah, the, the Outsiders, of course, retain those uh, tag team titles. And uh, continue to run roughshod over uh, WCW and WO. Only get stronger from here. Uh, some would say they grew weaker because it started letting anyone in. Um, but uh, nonetheless, Outsiders are still your WCW uh, Tag Team Champions. After this, we go backstage. Speaking of NWO, we go backstage where Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, which Hogan calls the Trillion, calls trillion Dollar Ted, um, <laughs> he's actually interviewing Hollywood Hogan, who was with Vincent, uh, formerly Virgil, uh, which is weird. It's it was always kind of odd, but funny at the same time seeing Vincent still with DiBiase. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was always kind of interesting to me. And uh, Miss Liz, Miss Elizabeth is uh, back there as well, wearing NWO black and white. And uh, of course, Hollywood has many things to say about his opponent, uh, Roddy Piper. And uh, it's great. It, it's really good Hogan, uh, Hollywood Hogan interview. Oh, for sure, it, it really is. Yeah, lots of uh, lots of look like his uh, like a, he's like a bobble body, it's like a bobblehead <laughs> from the waist up. Yeah, and he keeps moving his hand with all of his fingers extended. If if you put if you put super face nineteen, I'll say ninety Hogan next to nineteen ninety six Hollywood Hogan. I think I might believe they're two different people. Wow. Yeah, because Hollywood Hogan's obviously a shade darker somehow than Hogan was even back then. He's skinnier, which is kind of weird. He's also got the, the, the black beard going on. Like, sure, I, I would think they like maybe they're brothers, but that that is not the same guy. And and then and hats off to Hogan acting wise for pulling off like a totally a totally different direction. From the hero that he had been for all these years. 
And Hollywood Hogan, man, like I think you even said it yourself, he was the greatest good guy ever. He was also the greatest bad guy ever. He was. And, and man, that is fucking saying something. Oh, it really is. No, it really is. So next up, we have Diamond Dallas Page taking on Eddie Guerrero. And what's so funny about DDP coming out, Darren? Uh, is it the twice-removed wrong music? <laughs> Yes, for those who are not familiar with uh, Diamond Dallas Page uh, from WCW, he came out to uh, a total ripoff of Smells Like Teen Spirit from uh, Nirvana. And I guess whenever they tried to put his music in on the network, it must have got red flagged like, this sounds too much like Nirvana. So they make a version of the ripoff of the song Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana. So it, <laughs> so yeah, it's a ripoff of a ripoff, which is just hilarious to me. Yeah, and it doesn't work, and it's clearly dubbed. Yeah, it's no good. Uh, and, and this Diamond Dallas Page himself doesn't exactly work. No, well, he's he... way, way more rough around the edges than he would be at any point later. Oh well, DDP was super heel for a long time, and and this is right after he turned down NWO and basically made a name for himself. Um, so DDP's starting to make that super face, uh, heel, that super face change, and, uh, it worked wonders for DDP, and uh, he was, he was a fucking face for years until probably, what, Jersey Triad days, where he got a little bit, a uh, little bit healy. I mean, he's taking on Eddie Guerrero, who was a baby, baby Guerrero here. <laughs> um, baby with a mustache. Baby Guerrero with a mustache and a mullet, of course. Uh, and this is a really good match. Really good match. And it is also the last match, the final match in the U.S. title tournament. we got to mention that as well. Yeah, this is a damn good match. There's a lot of near falls. Uh, Eddie Guerrero repeatedly counters the diamond cutter. And he even turns a couple of those into a backslide into a pin. Right. And that was really weird. It was really weird because it's like a couple of really sloppy uh, backslide pit attempts. And then the commentary is like, one, two, one, uh, uh, two. <laughs> like, it's like they don't know what's going on. They're confused by the actions going out of the ring. So that's the only hiccup in the match that I could tell. The rest of the match, though, is, is, is really phenomenal. Uh, so during this great match, Scott Hall runs out and gives DDP the outsider's edge. And Eddie Guerrero, who's actually on the outside, doesn't quite see it happen, uh, rolls in and just kind of takes the win, just pins DDP, uh, unknowing that uh, he had a little bit of help from the NWO. Um, but the outsiders and six beat up on Guerrero and uh, NWO for life, baby. What can I say? Uh, that's all you can say. You're not going to put up a battle against the Outsiders and Six, whether you're DDP or Eddie Guerrero. Right. And Certainly not at this time. Not the last time you'll see the Outsiders and Six tonight. That's also for sure. Um, after this whole thing happens, it cuts to uh, the audience. And uh, it cuts to like one of the upper balconies. And uh, a big group of people, when they see that the cameras are rolling on them, they jump up and like, woo! One guy jumps up. And he knees the shit out of the guy that's sitting directly in front of him uh, because of the way the, the levels go in the balcony. And so he's like, yeah, 
hey, oh no, and like immediately doubles over <laughs> and checks on. I think it's I think it's actually a woman uh, that he does it to. Oh really? Um, and he checks to make sure. <laughs> so he's like, no, no, I didn't mean to do that. I'm so sorry. Um, so I, I know how you feel, man. I did that once when I was seeing a Broadway show, seeing Lion King, and uh, and uh, like uh, Broadway. Julie Tamor's Lion King? Uh, maybe I don't know. <laughs> Sir Elton John didn't make Lion King. Um, what happened was uh, the it was it was leveled, you know, much like it was you know in the balcony or whatever. I guess to cram as many seats as possible, and all the seats are super close together. And I'm very tall. I'm six foot four, and I'm basically just sitting normally. But the person in front of me, uh, he's leaning forward, and then he just kind of. Whips his head back normally without realizing that my knee is like it, there's nowhere for it to go, <laughs> and he basically makes me knee the back of his head very hard, and I, I it happens and I look away, and the guy <laughs> I can see the guy in my peripheral looking up at me like what the hell man, and I'm I never look at him, and he kind of just goes back to looking at the the stage. It's very funny. Anyway, quick story. Um, so that happens. I will say that happens in those cramped seats. So the moral of that story, don't go see The Lion King on uh, Broadway. But Unless you can. Unless you can. Then you should. But try to get one of the non-cheap seats. <laughs> um, after that uh, match with Eddie Guerrero and DDP, uh, NWO still going on because the Giant is going to take on Lex Luger. This is a grudge match. Luger, not a big fan of the Giant. If you were a fan of the Giant, you'd have to be a big fan because the Giant is very big. Right, Darren? He's very, very big. He is. And he's and baby he, Giant. But he's lean. Yeah, yeah. He's lean and mean, and he is a powerful jumper at this time. Yeah. He's really a better Giant than any other Giant before, at this time, or since. Absolutely. Um, when we discussed this, we should give credit to the Giant. He was very agile, and uh, he could he could talk well enough on the microphone. A lot of guys that size, you give them a microphone, and you'd be lucky if you know anything that they're saying. Um, <laughs> like Great Kali, Eligante, you know, what have you, Manute Bull. Um, Manute Bull is a basketball player, Darren. I was seeing if you were paying attention. Uh, <laughs> well, I know Manute Bull. Okay, good. Well, I'd like to meet him. Um, but Giant just squashes Luger for most of this match. Um, and as well he should. Giant he should devastates Luger. Giant should definitely squash uh, anyone because he is a giant. Uh, but I like that referee Mark Curtis is, is uh, there because he's a great height reference for um, the Giant. Because um, it's like Mark Curtis next to the Giant. Like Mark Curtis comes up to his thigh, I think. He's very small next to him. Oh, yeah. Out of nowhere, Lex Luger hits a neck breaker that looks really killer. Yeah. On uh, the giant here. I think the visual is very cool because Giant is over a head taller than Luger. But I think the entire match, Luger is just trying to get the giant off of his feet. And this is the first time it actually happened. So I think you and I were like, oh, oh a neck breaker. Like <laughs> a neck breaker on the giant. Um, so yeah, no, it was it was very cool. So, he, yeah, he does hit the neckbreaker, and Luger goes for the pin, which isn't enough to take down the Giant. And uh, Giant basically bench-press throws uh, Luger off of him, and he lands on referee Mark Curtis, which means Mark Curtis is out for however long he needs to be out. So Nick Patrick is back out, and he kicks Luger's leg out while he's trying to rack the Giant. Trying to put him in the torture rack, Lex Luger's finisher. 
And now Sting is coming through the crowd. So yeah, so so Nick Patrick, <laughs> so Nick Patrick stops Luger from putting a uh, giant the torture rack. Uh, he tries again. This time Six comes running in and Roundhouse kicks Luger in the throat, making making Luger drop the giant. At the same time, Sting is now entering from the crowd. And this very interesting thing happens with Sting. Where Sting... Sting is very solemnly walking through the crowd to get to the ring. And a very belligerent fan gets in Sting's face and yells at Sting. Oh man, that whiskey breath that must have come. Oh my god. towards Sting's nostrils. Sting doesn't flinch. He doesn't even acknowledge it happens. He doesn't even blink. He doesn't have to because a security guard that's escorting Sting um, actually gets in the guy's face and just admonishes the guy. And <laughs> the, the belligerent fan's face when the security guard yells at him. <laughs> his face looks like he saw the ghost of his dead father. <laughs> I've never seen anything. I've never seen anything that drastic, that instant, oh and God. that hilarious. It's so great. What's great about it is he's kind of like kind of falling backwards. He is, and, but he and doesn't look like he's falling. He doesn't look like he's <laughs> backpedaling. He looks like he's being carried away on a conveyor belt. He looks like he's floating away from the security guard. Like you know that meme that of Homer Simpson where he slides back yes, into, into the in, hedge. In, in, to the hedges, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what this guy does into the crowd. What it looks like, and I've only seen these movies a couple times. Uh, for you, Harry, <laughs> for you, Harry Potter fans, uh, Helen Bottom Carter's character hits Sirius Black, who is uh, Gary Oldman's character, with something called the uh, like the un like the unspeakable curse or something like that. But basically, what it is is she zaps him with the wand, and the spirit of him, which is like his. His translucent, you know, Jedi Knight, you know, Jedi Master form comes out of his soul, comes out of him. Okay. And so that's what it looks like. It looks like, it looks like his soul is like floating away. Because he was <laughs> defeated by the security guard. The security guard who looks like Farva from Super Troopers. <laughs> so I'm, glad, I'm glad that whole instance is caught on on a, a, a videotape on WWE Network. And bear with us, dear listeners, in a few minutes... It gets better. Okay, do, do remember that uh, th- this guy and that security guard, that happened. Okay, moving on. So Sting is entering the ring. Six is now involved. Luger is down. Sting decides he's going to contribute by dropping his baseball bat. His trusty black baseball bat drops it on the canvas in the ring. He goes over and he grabs Luger's head kind of violently. Kind of violently. Um, and then, like, whispers in his ear, or at least appears to be whispering in his ear. Then drops him, goes across the ring, and uh, does the exact same thing to the giant. Right. And then he leaves. It becomes a saw situation. Yeah. Where, where the two people have to have to basically kill each other for the weapon. Uh, in which case, they do. Giant Luger's starting to go to, to battle for the bat that Sting left. Luger gets it. Uses it on Giants, and uh, that's it. He actually pins the Giant uh, as referee Mark Curtis finally awakens from having Luger land on him. Uh, Curtis rolls over and does the one, two, three, and Luger wins. And the Giant is upset because 
where, where, where's where's Hall and Nash? What's going on? Even though six did come out to help, um, six uh, six wasn't enough to stop Luger from getting that win on the Giant. No, six wasn't. Seven though may have been enough. And now, dear listeners, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are going to get to hear Michael Buffer introduce the combatants in this main event of the evening. The WCW World Heavyweight Champion, Hollywood Hulk Hogan, the leader of the New World Order, takes on Rowdy Roddy Piper. And Hogan's not alone. Much like when he was backstage, you see him joined by the beautiful and ever-young Miss Elizabeth, as well as trillionaire Ted, Ted DiBiase, and Vincent. Right, but only DiBiase actually comes all the way to the ring and stays uh, with Hollywood Hogan. So it's just DiBiase and Hogan, Liz and, and Vincent. I guess they came out to be like, hello folks, alright, see you later. Um, the thing about this match, though, there's just two things about this match. One, um, the big deal about this match is that Piper has never lost to Hogan. Never. Which means Hogan has never won against Piper. Never. So the, the, there, there is that buildup of like, oh, well, this is Hogan's chance to finally uh, to get one over on Piper. And this would kind of repeat itself, you know, the next coming years when Warrior shows up at WCW. Hogan's like, oh, I owe that Warrior, don't I? I owe him a loss, don't I? Um, but also the thing is, this is a non-title match. This is your main event at Starcade, your biggest pay-per-view of the year for the WCW Heavyweight Championship. No, this is a non-title match, which means the champion's about to lose because nothing is really on the line. So Hogan there with DiBiase. Piper comes out to the ring. Piper wearing a custom-made shirt... That says no fear on the front, and on the back has the Tasmanian Devil. And I can't help but wonder uh, what was going on there, because no fear, obviously a very popular uh, brand of t-shirts. We, I think we also have the no fear t-shirts in, in middle school and high school, right? All the tough guys that wore the no fear clothes. like Oh, I remember. Like, like the Johnson Drivers uh, t-shirts. Yeah, those were popular too. And on the back is the Tasmanian Devil, which, uh, well, t- technically, well, it's it's Time Warner, which owns Warner Brothers. So technically, I guess they could get away with, uh, they could get away with using the Tasmanian Devil on a uh, on Piper's shirt. I realize now. So technically, they got away, they can get away with that. Yeah, he could have basically dressed up as Bugs Bunny and walked to the ring, and and they couldn't have touched him. Uh, but anyway, still, it, it's really odd that Piper had to do that. Obviously, the Hot Rod t-shirt does it all for me. You know, you said Hogan's out there with DiBiase. What a waste Ted DiBiase ultimately was in WCW. Not his fault. Yeah. But, man, the misuse here. Obviously, he was never going to wrestle again. But, I don't know. The DiBiase that he was maybe the first three or four weeks that he was in WCW... That was a hot character. Oh, and yeah. And that should have been that. It should have stayed that. But here, even just... Now we're still only six months in. But even on this night, he's lost a little bit of his edge. And he's starting to become kind of grandfatherly and just sort of there. Right. And then it's just going to get worse when he eventually leaves the NWO and manages the Steiners and tries to pull a weird 
baby face on top of being grandfatherly and quiet. This guy has an incredible uh, set of skills on a microphone. Why don't you give him a microphone? DiBiase has a face, by the way. Ugh. Ugh. Gross. Gross. <laughs> gross. So um, that's unfortunate. Now, this is what I've been wanting to say for this whole thing. Okay. This match is not as bad as I remembered. It's really not. I remember being super stoked about it, highly anticipating this match in 1996, and yet even I, in all of my anticipation and all of my denial and my fanboy-ness, uh, even then, 1996, contemporaneously, I acknowledged this was not the match of the century, the match of the decade. Maybe this was, you know, the geriatric battle, not the battle of the icons, you know. <laughs> I, I I bought into it, and I and I bought in that this match was awful and that it was no good. Watching it 21 years later, sure, maybe this match doesn't compare to, like, Steve Austin and Bret Hart from WrestleMania 13, right? Maybe this isn't a Taker HBK match. You know, maybe this isn't Flair Steamboat from the late 80s. But even taking into account all of the talent and the athleticism and the five-star Meltzer matches that people have on today's rosters, the, this match is actually not that bad when you look at it. Like, if you look at it through 1996 eyes and you're used to seeing super hot, you know, people like, like I said earlier, Austin Hart, Taker, HBK, Sting. Uh, if you're used to seeing that, and then you get Hogan Piper's kind of like, eh. But when you watch uh, the sort of homogenized product in WWE these days, it's almost like the story that was being told and the risks that Piper and Hogan were taking. Nothing truly outrageous. No flaming barbed wire tables. But it was risky enough. These guys kind of perform their asses off. And my point is, all of that sort of make this match way more exciting than I remember it. Right. No, no, I, I agree with, with, with some of what you're saying here because I even said to myself, and I wrote this down, not a great wrestling match, but a pretty great storytelling match. Hogan's, uh, let's face it, even when Hogan was a super baby face, he's always had a very heel offense uh, biting and scratching. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, Ventura tried to warn us and tell us all the time and to no avail. Uh, but no, he's always been that guy. But him as a heel, full-blown heel, you know, begging off and, and, and leaving the ring and, like, trying, like, ah, I don't, I don't need this in my life. I'm going to go to the back, you know. And, of course, the face, you know, Piper this time dragging him back into the ring again. Um, like, Hogan was really, really great at that. And it's it's so weird because he was the ultimate hero. He was the ultimate good guy for so long. And, and he fought people who were all doing what he does as Hollywood Hogan. You know, they're all they're all begging off and they're all cheating and they're all <laughs> leaving the ring or trying to. Um, so now Hogan's doing it and he's doing it to perfection. So he must have took a lot of notes when he was fighting all these uh, heels all these years. Because uh, he's really, really good at it. So I, I, I praise you, Hogan. I praise <laughs> yeah. you. Hulk Hogan never gets uh, any praise at all in wrestling. Not for just straight up wrestling <laughs> that, matches. That's a joke. That's a joke. Hulk Hogan's a lot of praise. But anyway. Um, Not for a straight up wrestling match. No, 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 no. And uh, it, it's usually pretty obvious. It's like painfully obvious when Hogan doesn't want to take a move. 
He'll kind of just liquefy. Crumple, yeah, he'll or liquefy. He'll, he'll Alex smack into a puddle. And, <laughs> um, it, it's not this match, but it may have been on Nitro where, where Piper goes to Piper goes to pile drive Hogan, and Hogan, you can just see no, and like he literally melts between Piper's legs, and it's just like, yeah, he's not, he's not doing that, Roddy. Yeah, there's some stuff like that. There's there's a lot of like. Pushing and shoving and crumbling. And a lot of tired, sloppy lot of fighting. T- there you go. That, 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 that's what I have here. Uh, Piper does hit a very Im- uh, impressive suplex on Hogan. Yeah, and you and I both went, oh, because Hogan actually took the suplex. Yeah. Uh, so that was very interesting. Now, here's where things get really interesting. Really, really, really interesting. All right. Uh, because this match is going on, and now all of a sudden the giant shows up, right? Giant's showing up. He's probably going to help. He's probably going to help Hollywood Hogan out and uh, and, and take out Piper for Hogan. So, <laughs> so the giant comes out and he lifts up Piper for the choke slam. Okay, so, I hope he's got a good grip. So, by the way, folks, he, Piper is in mid choke slam. Piper is airborne, being hoisted over the giant's head. All right, so so Giant has got his hand around his throat, right? Lifting him as high as the Giant's arm will reach. And his other hand, his left hand, is probably cradling his ass to hold Piper up in the air. While this is happening, remember that fan? Remember that fan that got really belligerent and yelled at Sting and a security guard yelled at him? And, and then uh, held the bottom corner, did the unspeakable curse to him and his soul left his body? There you go. I remember the one. Well, guess what? This fan is under the impression that wrestling is 100% real. He doesn't like the NWOs interfering in this match. And he's going to do something about it, Darren. Because you can watch him make, make the conscious decision to get involved. He jumps the guardrail, pushes DiBiase, who has his back turned... DiBiase sells the push because he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't know. He, he thinks maybe a wrestler ran from the back and something changed and he didn't know. He's just reacting, probably on instinct. DiBiase turns around to see who pushed him and he's like, what the hell? It's a fan. <laughs> the fan gets into the ring. And oh, man. Hogan sees the fan coming. And Hogan basically holds the fan over to the side turnbuckle and starts just kneeing the shit out of the fan. Referee Randy Anderson gets involved, and he's starting to hold back the fan. And now, what, Doug Dillinger, head of security for WCW, shows up, and he's going to pull the fan. Another security guard, the security guard, that, that yelled at him, shows up. And they're all trying to get this fan out of the ring. Meanwhile, Piper is still airborne, Giant still holding him up. If you look at Piper, Piper is watching it all happen as he's about to be choke slammed, and the giant turns around to watch to see what's going on. So they're both just watching this happen because Giant and Piper know the plan is <gasps> when I have Hogan up for a choke slam, Piper is going to kick Hogan. And then he's going to wiggle out a giant choke slam, get rid of giant, and beat Hogan. But it doesn't quite happen that smoothly because this fan gets involved. Oh my god, fans, if you have the network, you have to go watch all this happen. Um, so the fan eventually <laughs> does get kicked out. Does get kicked out. Hogan tries to go, hey, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to help you out, giant. 
Piper finally is able, poor giant, holding Piper up this whole time. Uh, Piper's finally able to drop kick Hogan. Squiggles out, gets rid of the giant, wraps that sleeper hold around Hogan, and Hollywood Hogan is out. He is down for the count. And there you have it, folks. Your winner and new, just kidding, non-title match. And still Rowdy Roddy Piper and still undefeated by Hulk Hogan at this point. Rowdy Roddy Piper. Rowdy Roddy Piper, good on you. What did you bring to the bargaining table for all of these years? I don't know how you did it, <laughs> but good on you. R.I.P. Roddy Piper. And uh, especially with you being gone from this world and uh, time passing like it does, watching this show truly did not feel like it was 21 years ago. But it was, and it ended the way most shows do. Uh, of course, the Outsiders come back out again. <laughs> they beat up on Piper. <laughs> they, they they beat up on Piper, and then uh, Giant gets into a big argument. And again, it, he's a big guy, so every argument he has is big. He gets into an argument with Hogan. Hogan says, uh, you dropped the ball. He dropped the ball about seven times. Um, and, uh, it kind of ends that way. And you think like, oh, this, is there trouble in the NWO? The trouble? No, no. This is just the beginning of the NWO because they're about to add 30 new members. Um, but man, what a time in WCW. Like it's probably the best, the best of times for WCW. Uh, man, that mid to late 96 to all of 97 leading up to the disappointment. That was Starcade 97's main event, Sting versus Hogan. Uh, but man, what a time, Darren. What a time to be alive. What a time to be a fan. Yeah, absolutely. And we hope you fans enjoy the episode, and we hope you fans get in touch with us. Maybe someday somebody will wax nostalgic about us, and they'll go, remember like 700 episodes ago on the whole <laughs> reference show? Remember 700 episodes that talked about Starcade 96? You can reach out to us, folks. We uh, love it when you do. Find us on Twitter at Refn Show Podcast, R-E-F-N, S-H-O-W-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Or find us on Facebook, like and share. That would uh, be nice if you did that. Send us an email if you want to. The whole Refn Show at gmail.com, T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E, R-E-F-N, S-H-O-W at gmail.com. Or... Or find us on Instagram, The Whole Refn Show. You can leave us notes. You can leave us little red hearts. We love it. We love to talk to you. Um, and we tell stories on there. We tell stories. We throw flashbacks. Flashbacks to ourselves. Flashback to the great wrestling companies and their great wrestle shows over all the wrestle years. Right. And uh, we hope you enjoy it as much as we do. Find us on Instagram there at The Whole Reffin Show. Absolutely. And uh, one more time. Try to get down to St. Augustine or up to St. Augustine, depending on where you are geographically, or left to or right to St. Augustine. Or if you're underground or maybe in an aeroplane above it. Right. You could go up or down. It's true. Uh, so get to Brawl by the Beach, Fest Wrestling. They're going to do it, man. It's going to be a great show. We we'll hope to see you guys there. And we hope to see you guys here next week for yet another edition of the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole ref and show, by the way. My name is Perry Smith. And my name has been Darren Beasley. Has been and will continue to be. That's right. And we'll see you next week, folks. Later on. Later on.